welcome once again to Cinemaholics. I'm John Negroni. I am the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of Cinemaholics.com, and I occasionally write books. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he also reviews films for Cinemaholics.com. As always, it is Will Ashen. Hi, John. You can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive of episodes and written content over on Cinemaholics.com. Send us an email if you'd like to write into the show at cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, sometimes sometimes people just want to support us financially, which is amazing because we need it. So check out our Patreon mm-hmm. for exclusive perks and details and how you can support us that way. Go to patreon.com slash I, I know you need it, Will, because we're, <laughs> you're working on uh, for going to the New York Film Festival, I hope. Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, fingers crossed on that front, but we'll see. And if you would like to support us another way, you can always leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes or wherever you love podcasts. That is always a huge help. We have an interesting episode this week because nothing uh, nothing big is coming out in theaters. The exception of one film that's kind of on my radar, but I've already seen it. And we thought, okay, this is a great week to do our fall movie preview for 2019. The fall is a very interesting season because the movies that come out in this time are always very interesting. They're always a little hard to predict, like what's going to catch fire with audiences and what's not. So we're going to use this episode as an opportunity to sort of preview some films that we're paying close attention to. It's going to be a lot different from the way that we've done previous seasonal previews. It's not going to be like our summer preview. For example, it's just Will and myself. So we're just going to be going into a little bit more detail with some of these films. We're going to start this episode with uh, some recap. Well, I think it's okay to maybe take a step back and look at the past a little bit. What do you say? Sure, why not? All right. Well, I want to start with what is what what are the best films of the year so far in terms of box office? What what are the films that have made the most money? And obviously, a lot of you listening Mm -hmm. are like, well, I don't care. I didn't make this money. Why should I care that Disney <laughs> yeah. made all the money this year? Well, it is interesting because it influences a lot of the films that are going to be made in the future, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it also influences what we'll be talking about in future episodes, I have to presume. Yeah. It's a circle of life. And speaking of... yeah. Well, actually, it's The Lion King is not the highest grossing film of all time. As you can imagine, the highest grossing film of 2019 so far is a spring movie that made most of its money in the summer, and that's Avengers Endgame. So this film is basically done – it finished its extremely long run. It was like prolonged at theaters in order to reach the high – the high milestone of the highest grossing film of all time surpassing Avatar. Worldwide, it made $2.79 billion. That is just a truly astounding number. Uh, this film made $2 billion more than four, four of the top 10 films of the year so far. So l- let that sink in. $796 million. That's more than four out of the top 10. I thought you said Thor. Thor. Yes, so like, it did make more yeah, than Yeah, I was Thor. like, You're it right. made more money than Thor. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh, number two on the list is The Lion King, another Disney film. This is the highest grossing animated film of all time, officially $1.5 billion. Between Avengers and The Lion King, I'm I'm definitely glad Endgame is the, the summer winner, Will, because Lion King still infuriates me the more I think about it. Mm, me too, yeah. it's It crawls my skin in many ways. Captain Marvel is number three at $1.12 million, or billion. Spider-Man Far From Home is at $1.11 billion. Aladdin is at $1.04 billion. Toy Story 4 
is at 1.03 billion. And that's that that's all the Disney slash Disney adjacent prop those are all the those properties. Because the only one of those films mm-hmm. that isn't Disney proper is Spider-Man Far From Home, which is technically Sony, but it is of course a yeah. Disney kind of movie, I think is fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other staggering thing is those are all billion dollar movies. Yeah. And people were mad that Sony was like, no, you're not taking more of our money. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is a Spider-Man Far From Home is the highest grossing film Sony has ever had. Uh, so for obvious reasons, they they want to hold on to the Spider-Man for all it's worth, which we we are going to see pretty shortly for in uh, future episodes of this show. So that's a lot of films. So two live action remakes, two Marvel films. These are all uh, summer movies except for Captain Marvel, we should say. Uh, the rest of this list at number seven, we have The Wandering Earth, uh, a Chinese film that made 699.7 oh, yeah. million worldwide, mostly in China. Uh, Niza, mm-hmm. which is a film, uh, also a Chinese film, which just came out recently and has just been killing the box office. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this yet. Th- this, this movie has gotten so much attention. Even people I know, you know, it like out in everyday life are talking about this film. Uh, and I'm very curious to see it at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Is there a, a domestic uh, U.S. release date for that? I think it's out or it's going to come out in theaters pretty soon. Yeah, um, I, I don't okay. know exactly when and didn't make our fall preview. So I'm glad we're mentioning it now. And then at number nine, we have Hobbs and Shaw. And at number 10, we have How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. It, kind of interesting when you look back on the summer, like Godzilla, King of the Monsters was in the top 10 for a while, not on there anymore. And there there are no other animated films like Lego Movie 2 isn't on this list. Uh, Secret Life of Pets 2 didn't make the top 10. Detective Pikachu fell off. So like all of these other films that, you know, they did okay. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3 was uh, kind of a sleeper hit, but none of them cracked the top 10 for the highest grossing films of the entire year, I should say. So not just the summer. What what do you make of this this list of films? Will like it, it, just the Disney dominance, or is, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, just looking at that top five, that's pretty depressing. Just in terms of its monopoly at the box office and how they're going to have more control and feel more validated to make more remakes and uh, sequels and different things that might some of them might be good, but I don't know. I definitely, I'm totally done with these remakes, and uh, I can't imagine a lot of them are going to be much better. Though I, I'm kind of blanking on what the other ones are as far as what's coming up next. But um, oh wait, hey, uh, isn't so we Mulan have a preview? Sex- for um yeah because uh, one of one of them is next it's a sequel to oh, a yeah. live action remake but yeah mulan right. little mermaid cruella th- those are the first that come to mind lady and the tramp will be on disney plus exclusively yeah. speaking of disney plus will <laughs> that that's gonna be the the that's gonna be the how you enjoy the rest of your disney content right yeah we'll, we'll see <laughs> right it's the only place where you're gonna be able to get alita battle angel since that is a uh, Fox slash Disney property. Oh, yeah. That is going to be on there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I am i don't know. It could be. So it's Garfield the movie. Garfield the movie. I guess that is Fox, isn't it? So, like, yeah, lots, yeah. Of, lots of stuff there. Oh, can I promote that my new episode is here real quick? Uh, let them have it. Yeah. Just real quick, uh, not to interrupt your spiel, but uh, the new episode of Any Ogre, Toads Ogre, is now live. And we have a very special guest, Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield. How do you think we got him? Listen to the episode to find out. All right, that's it. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm about to cry false advertising, but I'm going to let it slide. Uh, it's not false advertising. We got Jim Davis. <laughs> you got Jim Davis. It's in the title. It's in the title, yeah. Um, yeah, so big year for 2019. Th- this is the last, as of this summer, we have no other Marvel Cinematic Universe films coming out. So if we look at, though, how much this film franchise of movies has made since Iron Man came out in 2008... 18 billion dollars uh so far 
right? And I'm not even sure. Actually, no, it's not 21 billion. That's 21. That's 18 billion as of Captain Marvel. Sorry, it's 21 billion uh, as of Avengers Endgame. So unbelievable Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, when Iron Man came out in 2008, did you see this coming, Will? That 21 billion dollars later, we we would be at this point. Yeah, I can't say I was uh, <laughs> ever thinking it would be that big. I didn't also didn't think it would be a Disney property right, either. Yeah, because uh, if we remember, it was under Paramount initially, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're kicking themselves now uh, as far as the success of these films. But um, in any case, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing what 10 years can do. That is for sure. Uh, another milestone I do want to point out because I mentioned Detective Pikachu. You know that film. Yeah. It it didn't do it it didn't do like amazing compared to some of the films on this list. But hey, uh, it actually did break some records and it broke some glass ceilings, I guess, when it comes to films based on video games. So Detective mm-hmm. Pikachu, yeah, I mean, critics liked the film fine. It, maybe it is the first sure. to break that curse, it. right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's a film that cost 150 million dollars to make. Worldwide, it made four hundred and thirty-one point six million. That's a hit. That's a hit movie right there. Yeah. So not enough to crack the top ten by far, but definitely enough to uh, warrant a sequel for sure, and, and maybe help stave off what has been otherwise kind of a kind of a rough year for Warner Brothers. Maybe not a rough year, but kind of like a hit or miss year for them. Uh, they're not anywhere on the top ten, even though Shazam has already come out. That was like their big superhero movie of the year. They don't have any other DC movies coming out this year. Aquaman was a huge hit for them last year, for sure, but Annabelle Comes Home is another one that comes to mind. That's a film that just didn't do super well. But we we should say one of our fall preview movies is a Warner Brothers film, and I have a feeling it could be the big film of the entire fall, so we'll get to that in a Mm -hmm. moment. Okay, Will. We've talked about the best of the box office. Let's quickly look Mm -hmm. at what are the highest rated films so far this year. I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes for this. I want to know, can can you guess – what, what is the one film that has scored 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? There's only one film to come out in 2019 to hit 100%. Do you know what it is? Um, how many, based on how many reviews? Uh, it could be any amount. So I, I would say- well, how many for this one? <laughs> for this one, I'd have to look it up. But I, I believe it's like a good amount. And I, I, can, I can give you a hint, actually, because this is- Well, I was going to say- yeah. Oh, wait. Go ahead. I have it here. 83. Okay. Okay. So it's not a blockbuster. Not a blockbuster. I was going to say, because I know, I think Toy Story 4 was, not, it's not my pick, but I was, I was going to say that, that was like in the pretty close to it because it got like 98 or something, I think. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, for, for a while, for a while, but yeah. uh, I don't even think, it's um, no longer in the top 10, actually, yeah. of uh, Rotten Tomatoes as of this year. Surprise, believe it or not. Yeah. So, I'm going to have to guess that it was none other than Ma. <laughs> <laughs> Uh boy. Uh, I'm gonna have to disappoint you, yeah. <laughs> Will Ashen. I, I, I don't think I'm gonna be able to uh, to make you happy on that one. I, I hit. I hit. The this film is one that I've actually one of my my reviews contributed to the score. Um, does that help at all, or do I just need to give you the answer? Um, what's up, Last Black Man in San Francisco? Right. Um, it is not. Okay, that one got pretty high though, right? That's in like ninety five ish, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd is say it so. Lower than that. Um, okay. I, I, again, I don't have it right in front of me, so I don't want to. Sure. I don't want to miss people. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, go ahead, tell me. I don't want to keep the listeners in suspense. All right, it is "Knock Down the House," the okay. Netflix documentary right. about Alexandria Casio Cortez and the Dem primary. There, there is one other film. I think I actually misspoke. There is one other film that got a hundred percent. It's a film I've never heard of called "The Chambermaid," um, and I Sounds totally missed it because it's a foreign film. 
So I apologize, but this, this was out of 53 reviews and yeah, don't, don't know if that one is worth seeking out. So, well, apparently it is. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> based have... on those reviews for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's also the farewell, uh, at 99%, okay. uh, one of my favorite right movies on. of the year, Apollo 11 also is at 99%. Well, I need to finish it. Not, not a film I love. Uh, this is Todd Douglas oh, okay. Miller's film, the documentary about, it just uses yeah. archival footage. But a lot, I know a lot of people are huge fans. I, it didn't work for me as well. Hmm. I was digging what I saw. I still need to finish it. But what I saw was like, holy moly, hmm. how'd they get this footage? Yeah. I, I mean, I saw it in IMAX and I was, I, for some reason, it just didn't wow me. And there must be something wrong hmm. with me, of course. Maybe. There's also Ash is the Purest White, which has 99%. Oh, yeah. Which Wanted to see that. That has been on my list for so long. Uh, I really want to see it. Uh, I'm not sure if it's available yet on streaming or anything like that. Do you know? Mm. No, it's probably on VOD, though, I think. Hmm. Maybe not. If not now, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, one that is on VOD at the moment is Amazing Grace. Uh, that's another one of my favorites oh, yeah. of the year. 99%. So need to see that. Yeah, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's the Aretha Franklin documentary capturing one of her amazing performances, one of her most amazing performances in 1972. There's also One Child Nation, which is actually playing in the Bay Area. I really want to catch this because I missed it at Sundance, but that's also 99% film. And this is the one that's about China's one child policy, which is when they make it illegal for couples to have more than one child in order to curb population. So I, I've yeah. heard that one is a chilling but very essential documentary. Mm-hmm. That's all the 99% films. The 98% ones include Three Faces, which I have not seen, or Honeyland, haven't seen that. that. Too Late to Die Young. Yeah, these are all festival films for the most part. Mm-hmm. Then we get to Toy Story 4, which uh, yeah. is out of the top 10, but it's a 97% film. And Booksmart is another film at 97%. Oh, uh, that went down then. Yeah. Because that was pretty, that was like 99 for a little bit. It, it was for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, other other films that are on this list that I really want to see that are pretty high up, like Hail Satan. Still haven't had a chance to see that documentary. Oh, pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't think I've talked about that on the podcast, but yeah, I, I saw that and enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. 96. And Little Woods is at 96. Uh, another film that I definitely liked a lot. I hope people check out more of it. Uh, that actually hit renting uh rent streaming pretty recently yeah you saw that i'm planning to see american factory this week that's at 96 okay. percent. there's also tigers are not afraid which i've Ooh, been told yeah. is like go see this movie drop everything yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh peanut butter falcon that's playing yeah. in my area too will and i i totally i, I haven't had a chance to see it i want to make you happy it's good yeah it's a good film i'd recommend it uh last last film we'll mention here Avengers Endgame, uh, it's in the top 25 highest rated films of the year. 94% Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Can you believe it? Um, so yeah. th- that's just a quick snapshot. Obviously, there are plenty of other films. Um, I was surprised like Us and Wild Rose were a little farther down. Last Black Man in San Francisco as well. Those are all in like the 93% range. Hmm. But okay. yeah, before, before we just go on this rabbit hole, because l- literally we could... Uh, a lot of great movies yeah. have come out this year, Will. And, I, you know, I'm kind of sick of hearing this this talking point coming out that, like, oh, what a bad year for movies. I think relative to most years, I'm looking at my yearly rankings of 2019, and there are some fantastic films on my list. I guess that's just not the same for everybody else. Maybe I just like these films more than other people. I don't know. Um. Well, I will say that I think it's been kind of hit or miss for me. Just like it seems like every week there's like one movie that's outstanding and then there's like a blockbuster that's just terrible. And it just feels like a kind of roller coaster of quality for me. I don't know. I, right. I, I think haven't seen right. a lot of films that you – yeah, I haven't seen a lot of films that you have um, currently in your top ten. There are a lot of films I still want to see that uh, piqued my interest. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a pretty up and down year for 
many films in many different respects. I think that's a hundred percent true for blockbusters in every way. I mean, it, it makes sense that like Toy Story 4 and Avengers Endgame are the only blockbusters to have like 90% or higher on Rotten Tomatoes, it looks like, or at least like in the high end of that range. So, all right, well, that, yeah. that those are the best rated films of the year so far. Let's, uh, before we get into our seasonal preview, just one last thing we want to want to look at. Mm-hmm. Our most popular episodes of Cinemaholics this summer. So yeah. I thought this would be pretty fun. Us. So out of all of, yes, the, the Cinemaholics crew finally gets recognized for our, for our for hard sure. work, right? So we've yeah. come out with uh, an episode or two every week since April when we did Avengers Endgame. Here are our most popular episodes of the summer. You, you're already aware of them, Will, so I'm not going to tease the listeners. But yeah, I will give away at the bottom of the list. Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, this is an episode that did did really well. A lot of people tuned into this one. I know we had Matt Serafini as our guest. He's kind of our Spidey expert. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved that episode. I, I loved the, our whole our whole conversation on that movie. That was one of the few spoiler sections that we got to do, like spoiler discussions. Yeah. That was a good one. And then the next one on the list, Will, I'm sad. This is an episode you were not on. The Rocket Mm -hmm. Man slash Godzilla slash Ma slash Last Black Man in San Francisco episode. This is the one that I did live in studio with Sam Nolan, who came all the way here from the internet, Colorado. And he and I just had a one-on-one conversation. First time since Maverick Hines was on the podcast that we had something like that. I I have a very, very emotional, emotional connection to this episode. I listen to it often. Will, did you ever get a chance Mm -hmm. to listen to it yourself? No, I haven't. Okay, that's the answer I was expecting. But uh, I'm not on it, so why should I listen to it? Um, Fair enough, yes. Clearly, the listeners were into it as well. Honestly, Will, yeah, I I highly recommend you seek it out at some point. It it was a good conversation, and there's a great opening opening joke at Sam's expense, but at your – goodness i don't know how to say that like not at your expense but it's like it's a plus for you a downside for sam how that episode opens so you, you'll probably okay. appreciate that yeah i, I hope i, uh, I piqued your interest there next Maybe. on the list uh lion king uh this was a surprise i thought the lion king would probably be our second maybe f- first of all of these mm-hmm. episodes, but yeah, our Lion King episode that was that was an interesting one. I think especially because yeah, like we use we use that episode to not just like talk about Lion King, but the Cats yeah. trailer was when we, we that's yes. when we talked about Cats. Is when we talked about Comic Con. That was a good episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I didn't like the movie at all, but I definitely enjoyed our conversation uh, about that film and obviously talking about Cats. Uh, the trailer conversation for that is probably one of my favorite conversations we've had on the podcast, not just this summer, but uh, in its entirety. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. Uh, Toy Story Four is our next highest, um, and, and it, which is interesting. You know, our, our Incredibles two episode last year did pretty well, but our most popular episode ever, if you're just looking at audio feeds, not YouTube videos, is far and away Coco, the the 2017 mm-hmm. Pixar film. Incredibles two did well. Uh, that's another one. Our Cars three episode did okay, but yeah. Toy Story Four, Toy Story Four is is uh, definitely much higher on the list than than some other Pixar films we've done. Uh, a little bit more similar to Coco. So that that's awesome to see. And that was another really great episode. I, I remember getting a few really like specific messages from people who had maybe listened to that episode. It was the first episode of Cinema Hawks they had ever listened to. And it, it sort of got them into the show. Like uh, Charlie Ridgely was on that episode. So that was a blast. Yep. He, he was so great to talk to you about that film. And yeah, I just remember just being really happy when we recorded that one. That was fun. All right. And then our second film, our second most popular film episode, or our second most popular episode was Avengers Endgame, which I'm shocked. 
I thought Avengers Endgame would be our our big episode of the summer, and because Avengers Infinity War is, I believe, our third or second, yeah, our third biggest episode ever on Cinemaholics. Avengers Infinity War from last year. Avengers Endgame definitely did super well for us. I mean, lots of people listened to it, but. It was only number two. And that was a great episode. We had Alicia Grasso on that. We had Matt Donato. Uh, that, was, that was a blast to edit. I remember like we got to do all kinds of cool things with the music and our com- yours and mine conversation about the film was obviously a, a, a ton of fun. And yeah, I, I don't know if you ever got a chance to, to listen to that episode over again, but uh, that's definitely one that I like to uh, No, I haven't. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to check that one out. I, and we're making it sound like you don't listen to the show, but I know you do. So I yeah. just, I'm just, I'm just putting you on the spot on like the wrong ones, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so sorry. Well, here, here's one I know that you both, you and I have revisited more than once, uh, at least for me. Our yeah. big episode of the summer, the, and this is actually on its way to becoming one of our. It's already in our top five episodes of all time for this podcast, and it's on its way to climbing up even higher. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino film. In that episode, we talked about, I think, just that film was Sam Nolan. That was a very contentious yeah. episode. We had a lot of really fiery yeah. debate. We had some spoilers. A little bit. That that was a great episode. Are you, it was a great episode. Are you surprised, though, to see that it is like one of our all-timers? Yes and no. Um, no in the sense that I think it's a great conversation. I think it's a film that has obviously created a, a wealth of opinions. And I, I don't think anyone walks out of the film feeling the exact same way as someone else does. And clearly, I think our episode represents that. And I think that um, uh, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That the variety of opinions that is in that episode, I think, is a good reflection of how I think a lot of people, even a lot of people in the uh, film Twitter community had felt like they weren't exactly sure if they were uh, super high on it or if they found themselves a little disappointed but um i am surprised in the sense that like yeah compared to uh you know lion king and endgame and toy story 4 especially i think those are the three i think i was expecting to be one two and three um just above the tarantino film but you know i can see why it got picked and i'm glad that it got picked because like you said i think it's a very good episode for us so i'm glad people are enjoying it and checking it out i think so too now that'll do it for our recap of 2019 thus far hope that has been enlightening or interesting to listen to but with that let's get into our fall preview of 2019 for the summer preview there were a lot of films that you and i had high hopes for uh, but there are also some films that made that list that got pushed to the fall which might get brought up again so the three most anticipated movies that i had for the summer were last black man in san francisco which is my favorite film of the year so far so that turned out well toy story 4 which i ended up really liking a lot and yesterday which i ended up liking not loving you looked at Mm -hmm. brightburn which i know you were not a big fan of i thought it was all right yeah i I had mixed feelings on it but i was ultimately more positive than negative right right uh once upon a time in hollywood uh so there you go and then the nightingale which you haven't had a chance to see yet only because it hasn't been playing in my area but i found out that it is it's playing not only in my area but the theater where i work starting friday so um i'm excited but also for many reasons also pretty nervous to check that one out uh given what i've heard about the subject matter so um i don't know when i'll see it but um i'm planning to see it when i can as soon as possible there's also ad astra which that's that's one of those films Uh, like sam picked that one uh, among yeah, two others we were all like that's not coming out right yeah and we all had like, a feeling yeah yeah and of course julia tady she picked mid one of her films was midsummer which another one of my favorite films of the year so far glad to see that one turned out well yeah me too 
I got it. I got to take a look at our, our dark horses. These were the films that we were like, uh, this looks kind of bad, but maybe it'll surprise us. I I'm looking at this, uh, men in black international was one that I had hopes for. I feel bad about that call. Uh, you picked sure. new mutants, which got pushed all the way <laughs> to next year. Uh, there's, yeah. there's truly also- a dark horse. When's that coming out? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you picked it in general. Then Sam, Oh boy. Sam looked at dark Phoenix, uh, he also looked at Angel Has Fallen. Both he and Julia also had hopes for Tolkien, which I heard was just not good in any sense. You, I forgot about that one. You also picked Where Do You Go, Bernadette, which Julia yeah. also picked. And you're seeing that one later this week, I believe. Hopefully, yeah. I'm trying to find a time to see that as well. Um, haven't had a chance to, uh, even though I might be in the film. I don't want to give any people the wrong impression in case my my shot got cut, but... <laughs> Um, I may or may not uh, be in the movie, but you, among many reasons, of course. Uh, yeah, among many reasons, I'm excited to see it. Primarily, I think for Kate Blanchett's performance. Um, but also because it's a new Linklater movie, and I, I, I want the best for him, even though I've heard it's a, a weaker entry for him. But we'll see. I'll, whenever I see it, though, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Honestly, the only dark horse that I'm looking at that any of us picked that turned out like the best is Toy Story Four. You picked that, which I contend. Mm-hmm. That didn't look bad. Come on. But whatever. Uh, you you ended up liking it. I ended up really liking it. Yeah. I think I think the true dark horse on this list, uh, I picked Aladdin and Good Boys as well. And and Good Boys, I think we both were kind of getting sick of that trailer. And I think it surprised us a little yeah. bit. Like it didn't I don't think it wowed a lot of people, but that was okay. And then Aladdin, that definitely surprised financially, but yeah. that almost was surprising in like how not terrible it was, but it was still pretty mediocre, I guess. Yeah, I was not a fan of that film. Um, I would prefer it over the Lion King, but I also just found myself really bored by the whole experience of that. And um, I think it has more virtues than the Lion King, like I said. But in the end, I also found it pretty depressing that that became a huge hit. Well, let's let's look forward to the fall season. So we're looking at the fall season starting next week, which is the week of September 6th. And then we're taking it all the way to Thanksgiving weekend. We vary a little bit on this from year to year, to be clear. Um, sometimes we go a little bit yeah. further into December. But I don't know. Well, I was kind of looking at the schedule, and it, it just well, felt a little bit more right to end it at November. I mean, not to uh, talk a little bit too much about what goes on behind the scenes, but it's almost always the weekend where like, eh, it doesn't seem like anything exciting is coming out this weekend. What You want to do a fall preview? And it's like, yeah, we should do a <laughs> yeah, fall preview. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of how we, we settled on that. Although the summer one was definitely a clear, like, okay, Avengers Endgame is coming out next week. We got to do this now. Right. Because yeah. just Hollywood, Hollywood doesn't know seasons or doesn't understand the seasons, I don't think, right? Yeah. I mean, every, every season at this point, besides the cold ones, are summer. So anytime the sun comes out, it's like, did the summer movie season start? We say it does. And there you go. Now- this is the first time on a movie preview episode where we're not actually going to start with what our most anticipated films are. We're actually going to start with what we think are going to be the most successful films of the fall. Now, I put down three films and, well, I, I just want to know, do you agree or disagree? Because you didn't put any films down for this because I think you probably share the same opinion oh, as me. You did? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Oh, jeez. I can't, I can't spell them out because... Uh. Um, We'll have to put an explicit rating, but um, yeah, I, I put some films down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think I honestly think that the biggest film of the fall could very well be It Chapter 2. This is the film I was alluding to earlier. It comes out next weekend on September 6th. This is the Warner Brothers film, the sequel to what was really a surprise hit for a lot of people in 2017, a film that we reviewed. 
and that was the first it. Now, Will Ashton, do you remember how much the first it made box office wise? Oh, uh, worldwide or domestic? Worldwide. Uh, worldwide, I'm gonna say. Um... I don't think it crossed a billion. No, but it got pretty close. I feel like it probably got like eight hundred, eight fifty. That's close. Seven hundred point four. Seven hundred. Yeah. Okay. I was I was up shooting, but yeah, I knew it was pretty high. I honestly think this one is probably going to make more. You think it has more recognizable yeah. actors? We have Bill Ader, James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain in this. Uh, the first one was well received, great reviews. People really liked it. I think people are excited about this film. It's been kind of a weak summer for counter programming. Right. So for the films that aren't Disney films, just people have been a little bit sleepy on the box office. I'm wondering if this is the film that's going to wake people up a bit. That's going to get them out of I the house. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does feel like an event film in a way that a lot of films in August just didn't. And it, it kind of felt like a lot of the last couple of weeks were biding their time before um, it in a way that like I think the reason why we got Ready or Not and Scary Stories to Tell in Dark before the fall season is just because they're like, we're not we're not getting in its way. <laughs> like, we're just going to let that do its own thing and try to make some money before it comes out. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is like the uh, biggest release uh, post-July, I feel. Now, for October films, there, there are actually two or three that I could see being pretty big hits. Probably not hits on the same level as It Chapter 2 or maybe these other films. But I think we have to go all the way to November to start looking at films that really, I think, have a lot of potential to be the biggest of the the fall. Maybe maybe this is a step too far, but November 8th is the release of Dr. Sleep. That is the sequel to The Shining. And I mean, in the same vein of It, a Stephen King property, I don't know, Will. Am I going crazy? Do you think it's a little bit too far to say that this film starring Ewan McGregor, this this sequel to a, a classic film that I don't even actually like that much. I'm not the biggest Shining fan, but I recognize that Shining mm-hmm. is a a film touchstone for people, especially in the horror genre. Do you think Dr. Sleep has the potential to do big money at the box office? Well, when I was thinking about it first, I was like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, because, you know, it's another R-rated horror film that's not it. And it's like, is that is that going to really, you know, break the bank? But at the same time, when I thought about it a little more, especially compared to what else we're getting this winter or this fall, um, yeah, it seemed like, you know, like if they sell it as like the official sequel to it, which or um, to the shining, which it's not really in the sense of like, it's obviously not going to be, you know, um, uh, Stanley Kubrick or Jack Nicholson or, uh, Sherry Duvall or Shelly Duvall. Um, but you know, it does feel like a continuation of that story in the same way that it chapter two is. And even though the book, uh, Dr. Sleep isn't nearly as well regarded as the shining, it does feel like if they really, you know, hearken on that cinematic influence. And I will say, you know, dis- entirely disputing what you said, I think The Shining is one of the best horror movies ever made. Um, yeah, I could see this one making a lot of money if it's promoted well, which I will say, even though Warner Brothers does not usually uh, have all their ducks in order when it comes to the quality of their films, they usually tend to market them pretty well. So if they really, you know, hone on the marketing of this film quite well, I, I could see it being a huge hit. That's kind of where I'm at, too. But that said, November 22nd, there's going to be a film that will possibly overshadow everything else we've talked about or are going to talk about. And that's Frozen 2. Now, last week, I, I threw a little bit of shade at Frozen 2, not in the sense that I think it's going to be bad. I, I, yeah, right. I, I don't. It's not that I think that it's going to be a disaster box office wise. I'm just very skeptical about how much money this is actually going to make. Is, is it actually going to be one of the highest grossing films of the year, which a lot of people are expecting? I think people are expecting this film to do as well, if not better, than the first Frozen six years ago. 
and I'm just not sure. I, I just we, we talked about this last week. I, I just wonder if animated sequels are, are just something people aren't as into anymore. And I, I, I don't know, I, because this is Walt Disney Animation. We shouldn't compare it one to one with other Disney animation films. But the big test is that like Ralph Breaks the Internet. Was that really a film? If, if we look at the box office for that compared to the first Wreck-It Ralph, did it really take people by storm? Is it apples to oranges though? I don't know. Cause I'm looking at how to train your dragon to uh, three looking at Lego movie two. And I'm just seeing like people just don't seem to care. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a little hard to judge this early on. I think it'll be a little easier in September, October. Uh, you know, ironically, as the seasons get colder, the buzz for this one might get a little warmer. Um, but yeah, based on what we're seeing right now, um, it doesn't seem like the buzz is there as much as I think any movie fan or maybe even Disney was anticipating. But it is possible that they are kind of buying their time waiting for the release date to get a little closer and there's a little more separation between what they had in the summer and now or what's going to be now in the fall. So I don't know. I, I mean, like you were saying earlier, like if if it's true that like our family audiences were like, we're only going to see a set number of films this summer and they're going to go see The Lion King and Toy Story and Avengers, maybe. I could see in the fall being like, you know, we're, we're going to see two films as a family. We're going to see Star Wars. And we're going to see Frozen 2. And especially considering that it seems like from what I can gather, it doesn't seem like there's like that many family films coming out in September or October. At least not too high profile of family films. Right. So there's there will one be we'll, kind of a... There's one we will talk about, but yeah, just like one or two. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But um, yeah, it seems like this is going to be, you know, it's going to be like a little while since families have probably been to the theaters or something that's really kind of seemed like a family film in the sense that like everyone in the family would have some interest in seeing it. So... Yeah, I mean, but to your point, there is the possibility that, you know, people are really maybe just burnt out by Frozen, no pun intended. Um, maybe, you know, like the huge, humongous uh, popularity of that first film just kind of, you know, made everyone tired of that, that first movie and let it go and all that. And I don't know if that's going to be true for younger audiences, because obviously we just don't really I think keep in track with what, what their interest is movie-wise. But, I mean, it, it does seem like... It, it, compared to what you would have expected for a Frozen 2, that the buzz isn't quite there yet, but I can see that changing come November. I agree, yeah. So the first Frozen is the second highest grossing animated film of all time, $1.27 billion. And I'm looking at the numbers, and I did misspoke. Uh, Wreck -It, Ralph Breaks the Internet did make slightly more than Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, it was like 500-something million compared to like 470 million for Wreck-It Ralph, so I want to mm -hmm. be clear about that. But with Frozen, I don't know. I, I just don't see Frozen 2 making $1.2 billion or more. Because I think the difference with between that film and something like Finding Dory made over a billion, Incredibles 2 is the third highest grossing animated film of all time at like $1.24 billion. But I think the difference is those films had a decade of anticipation to what you're saying. Right. And Frozen 2 just doesn't have that. It's been six years. It, it feels like Frozen... Like the the hype for that film lasted too long almost because that film people were still talking about it in like 2015 and like that song was still like in the consciousness until like mm -hmm. 2015 so it's really only been like maybe four years so right. this will be a hit but I'm thinking probably realistically grain of salt maybe six to eight hundred million dollars so a little more than half that number what do you think? Yeah, it's weird, like, to your point that we're, it's kind of like, it, it's not, like, close enough to its release that, you know, it's going to be, you know, uh, achieving the same success financially, probably, but it's also not getting that nostalgic audience that we had for, um, 
uh, Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory and then like probably like Space Jam 2 next year, maybe. But um, I know it's not a Disney film, but I'm trying to think of another example. And that was the first one that came to mind. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a season like kind of in between. Like it's not it's not nostalgic yet. It's not really fresh either. So it's somewhere in between. And I could see that being detrimental to it. But I don't know. I could also see this one being a humongous hit. Maybe not on par, like you said, to the first Frozen, but certainly uh, in a way that we're not quite anticipating so far. That's probably the most likely scenario. We'll have to wait and see until November 22nd. So that's a little farther down. We have plenty of other films that's to talk about. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's Thanksgiving weekend, if not a week after. Because I think- uh, That's Moana's weekend. That's the what weekend? The Moana weekend? Didn't Moana come oh, out? Oh, yeah. Moana? Yeah. So did, well, yeah. so did The Good Dinosaur. So a lot, lot of, lot of yeah. animated films come out uh, in Thanksgiving. It's kind of a prime time sort of thing. But uh, there, there are definitely some other films I think that are- I think the 27th is like probably the weekend of Thanksgiving. And I think the- the 22nd has those films coming out that Wednesday, probably. I'd have to look at that because I'd, I'd have to look at calendar. But regardless, yeah, I don't know. You, ha- you have some films, Will, that uh, you wanted to share with us. What are, what are the most successful movies of the fall going to be? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't say what I really wanted to write. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking it over and I, I honestly don't think there's any uh, real divergence from what you're saying. I feel like it's more likely than not that these films are going to be the big hits of the summer or the the fall. But um, the only one that might stand a chance of uh, really breaking out in a big way, I'd say, is maybe Maleficent 2, colon, more Maleficent than ever. Uh, I, I, I don't know if the buzz is really there for this one. I don't know if people were that big of fans of the first Maleficent. I remember it getting kind of mixed reviews. But um, it definitely seems like Disney is hoping that this film is going to be big for them in the sense that they want to make more live action remake sequels to films like Aladdin and maybe Lion King, uh, maybe Jungle Book at some point. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I could see that maybe doing pretty well, but otherwise it's hard to say. Like, I don't know if, uh, Charlie's Angels is going to do that well. It's kind of a question mark. Terminator is also a question mark. Um, well, let's, I, let's maybe let's put Adam... a pin on some of those films. Cause we, we want to, yeah. we're going to discuss all of them, um, in a little bit more detail, yeah. but yeah, we can maybe revisit this, this conversation of like, what will actually be successful. Let, let's move on though, into our actual, like most anticipated. So these films can be, who cares what audiences decide to go check out. Let's talk about the films that are coming out soon. Uh, I think the soonest one either of us picked comes out October 4th. Uh, this is a film that okay. you picked. This is a film that I, I actually was considering for a different category we're going to talk about. Uh, one, one that I'm a little bit... Uh, this is a film that I'm definitely curious about for sure. It's called Lucy in the Sky. Uh, why, why are you anticipating this one so much? Well, um, this one's a film that is the directorial... Or the film, the feature directorial debut of Noah Hawley, who is an author and a showrunner, probably best known for being behind the FX TV shows of Fargo and Legion. Um, I still need to catch up on Legion, but I've really enjoyed what I've seen. And obviously, I've talked a lot on the show about how much I love the television version of Fargo. Um, just based on what I've seen, because he directs a, l- a number of episodes uh, for Fargo as well. He does really seem to have a vision. It's very cinematic. Uh, and I get this sense from the trailer that he's really going to incorporate that uh, vision to the his first film. And personally, I feel like Natalie Portman has been on a big role recently. Uh, some of her best work has been the past couple years. For instance, I think Jackie and uh, much to your detriment, I'd say Vox Lux are some of her best performances. Um, and I really, Annihilation. Well, if you're going to say Vox Lux. Yeah, Annihilation. Yeah. 
Oh, that's two. That's true. I was, I was trying to think what the other ones were. I'm just saying, um, if you're going to bring up Box Lux and you're going to bring up that can of worms, you might as well make me a little bit happy. Sure. Yeah. No, no, it's valid, too, because I thought she was really good in Annihilation as well. I feel like there's another film I'm forgetting, but I maybe I'm not. But in any case, um, yeah, I just it's it's a pretty interesting film. I'm really digging the trailer every time I see it in theaters. It's one of the trailers that I have seen quite a few times, but I don't get sick of it just because I just love how cinematic it looks. I love the uh, way that the, um, what do you call that? The like letterbox kind of pulls out. And uh, I, I just am really enjoying the, uh, the look and the feel of that movie. And I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be worthwhile because we don't, we don't really know. And that's a big kind of question mark as far as uh, whether or not Noah Haley will be able to uh, bring his sense of control that he brings to his shows to a pretty self-contained two-hour movie. But it's of the ones that are coming out this fall, it's certainly one of the ones that intrigues me the most. I'm really hoping it stands out as one of the finer films we'll get in the fall. Yeah, but, you know, Will, there is one other film. It hasn't come out yet. But let's not forget, it's going to be in Thor Love and Thunder in 2021. So Lady Thor is going to be a... it's gonna be hitting Lady 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 Portman. Wait, the mighty Portman. At some, there's a pun in there somewhere. But yeah, that's Lucy in the Sky. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. This one. This one is uh, gonna have its world premiere at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, mm-hmm. on September 11th. She also mentioned like there's a bunch of films that aren't on our on our are not on our preview list because they're actually going to be playing at some festivals right now. So TIFF starts on September 5th. Venice and Telluride are happening right now. So sometimes those festivals and how they pan out sort of determine which films actually are going to get released like limited. So th- there might be some films we talk about in this episode or some films that we totally miss that are are going to be coming out for the the fall season that that uh, we just don't know about yet. That said, that's Lucy in the Sky, again, October 4th. I'm also looking forward to that, uh, especially because Nick Offerman is in that film. And so I'm, I'm always happy to see him performing in something. Okay, so the next film, if we're going chronologically, is The Lighthouse. This is on my most anticipated yeah. list. It would have been on mine if you didn't take it first. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, I've heard really great things about this. It played, did not compete at Cannes Film Festival, Uh, A bunch of critics have managed to get some sneaky early previews of this film already, and I am I am so ready for this. This is the film starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. It's from director Robert Eggers, who of course directed The Witch, which was kind of a kind of a surprise cult hit of a horror film in 2016. It's a film that I'm surprised has kind of broken through the noise a little bit with people. It's one. It's a film that gets brought up a lot still. That people are still that you know are thinking about. I don't know if that's fair to say, but I've definitely gotten that impression. I think it is, and I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I think it's a credit because that's um, it felt like one of those few films, uh, or not one of the few films, like one of the main films that uh, the A twenty four approach worked, where it was like, I mean, the genesis of A twenty four is like taking what otherwise would be kind of small, very art house movies and giving them an expansive release in major theaters, and that felt like one of the times where that really happened in a major way to the point where people were able to see it and talk about it, even if they necessarily if they didn't necessarily like it. And I think it's also one of those movies that even if you don't really uh jive with it when you see it it sticks with you pretty well and you you, you find yourself kind of uh thinking about it more and more so yeah i think that's part of the appeal of the film and i hope in the same is said about the lighthouse exactly see that that is what i'm looking forward to and hoping will be the case for the lighthouse it has a lot of drawbacks in terms of how accessible it's actually going to be for audiences first of all it is black and white uh, that's something that turns some people off unfortunately because of superficial reasons 
Of course, yeah. It, it's also a film, you know, it, it doesn't have a big cast. It's just these two actors. That That's the entire cast of this film. It looks very weird. It looks very off kilter. It's long. It's 110 minutes or nearly two hours that we're spending with just two actors. But some of these things people will take as pluses, right? I'm certainly interested because not only did Robert Eggers write this film, he wrote it alongside Matt Eggers or Max Eggers, excuse me, who I, I've never heard of before this film, but I'm assuming he's related to Robert Eggers. So the, the little bit of a little bit of mystery there that I haven't really dealt delved into quite yet. And what I'm hearing from critics, like the things that they're saying is great about this film. It's the performances and it's also the setting and how this film comes about technically speaking, which really fascinates me. It's a film that was filmed. It's a film that was filmed. It's a movie that was filmed in Nova Scotia. And it's just that unique 35 millimeter sort of aesthetic that has me just really enraptured. That trailer, I think you will agree, is just so haunting and chilling. And I, I can't wait to completely dive into this film. Pun fully intended. Yeah, I, I love the trailer. Um, I just love how weird and uh, intense it looks. And I, I love that uh, it looks like a swashbuckling good time for me and hopefully many other people. And I looked it up. Max Eggers is the brother of Robert Eggers. Okay, great. So that was my assumption. Yeah. I didn't want to misspeak. I actually, I messed up sure. here. So I thought Lighthouse was the next film after Lucy in the Sky and our most anticipated. It is not. <laughs> there are two other films yeah. that come up for the Lighthouse. So I apologize for that. I mistake. was wondering, yeah. <laughs> can't, I, I can't tell confused, time. But... Um, yeah. Well, it, real quick though, I do want to say like none of our most anticipated films, none of them come out in September. So that's a bummer. So that <laughs> September just doesn't have a lot of films that I think you or I are really excited about. And uh, a few, but not as many. Right. Not as much as these films, we should say. And only, only two of these films are November, which is a little interesting. But, you know, I think October, October and November can be really hit or miss. Some years you have a great October. Other years, October is kind of a dead zone. And this year, I think October is full of some pretty interesting films that uh, look like they could look they could have some sway with people. So the next film, there are two films that come out October 11th. Um, one of them is a Netflix movie called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And we yep. talked about this one a little bit last week as well, but fill the listeners in, catch them up, Will. Why are you looking forward to El Camino? Yeah, well, I'm cheating a little bit because it's technically a TV movie. I don't believe it's going to have any theatrical rollout, though I hope it does. Um, yeah, this is the uh, spinoff movie that was uh, very abruptly teased uh, earlier or late last year. Uh, very few details had come out at the time, and very few details have been released since then. We just got the teaser for this uh, over the past weekend, uh, and they're definitely trying to keep it as low-key and under the rug as possible. And I think, personally, that's getting me even more excited. Uh, for me, the main reason I'm excited about this is because Breaking Bad is full stop my favorite TV show. I love it. I really uh, I feel like it was one of those shows that was very pivotal to my eventual appreciation of TV as a medium and how it could tell such an expansive story throughout many seasons and still be very cinematic and intense and gripping and filled with great acting, great direction and great cinematography and on, on so on and so forth. Um, I've really been enjoying Better Call Saul of late. I still need to finish the, next, the last season, but um, I didn't necessarily need this movie per se. Like I felt like the ending to Breaking Bad without giving anything away was pretty satisfying. And I felt like it wasn't like the like all-time greatest finale, but I thought... It, it definitely felt 
definitive and final in a way that it didn't necessarily need a continuation, which is making me a little nervous about why they're making a movie like this. But at the same time, like I said before, Better Call Saul is a show that didn't really seem to need a purpose either, but they certainly proved their merit with that. And I think they've uh, had a show made that makes some people wonder if it's not only as good, but even better than Breaking Bad. And I'm wondering if they're going to recapture that magic with this movie, El Camino, in a way that makes it not only a fitting uh, continuation of the show, but something that feels even more worthy of the final chapter, I'm assuming, uh, to this, this series as the show's actual series finale was. So I'm really excited. I'm really hoping this is something worthwhile. And I'm really hoping I don't get spoiled on anything significant before I see the film. But uh, even though I'm usually very behind on my Netflix stuff, I know for a fact this is one I'm just going to watch right as soon as I get a chance to press play on Netflix. Yeah, I, I definitely I struggled a little bit with whether or not we should include this because like you said, it, it is kind of a TV movie. It's actually going to be broadcast on AMC. So yeah. it's it's not going to – I just don't see a theatrical release happening for it. It'll hit Netflix on October 11th, uh, like you said. And it was actually produced by Sony Pictures Television, which I found kind of surprising. Like I thought well, that's uh, Netflix the, and um, AMC per- would – yeah. Well, but Sony was the producers on the show Breaking Bad, so that's not that surprising. Well, just in the sense that, like, if this was, like, a movie, you would think that – I mean, I I guess that's true. Like, just let it be the aesthetic of the show. But I was hoping that if you are going to make a movie, make it more cinematic. Um, Not not that Breaking Bad is not cinematic. I also really love that show. I just think if you're going to make a movie, it has to have, like, a different kind of feel to sort of justify its existence, I guess. But maybe I'm just pontificating too early. I mean, that's the one thing that did surprise me watching the teaser is that I felt way more Netflix than AMC. I'm wondering how big of a hand Netflix had in this movie as opposed to mm. AMC. Yeah. And why they're getting the rele- the technical release of this before um, AMC. But yeah, I- I'm hoping because I mean, nothing, you know, against Netflix, but I just think that look and the way it was designed. I mean, obviously, it seems like this isn't shot on film the way Breaking Bad was. So that that's a little disheartening. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm-, I'm hoping for the best here. It does seem like it's going to be a lot like visually darker than what we're used to getting from kind of the more sun-kissed look of Breaking Bad, which I don't know if that's just going to be a thematic choice or if that's just Netflix influence with the like kind of cool digital look of it. But uh, we'll see. I'm very curious, like I said, about this film, and I'm hoping it's for the better. Yeah, and I I think some of that curiosity is because we really just don't know much about this in general. Like, we don't know who the cinematographer is. We don't know who's in the movie besides Aaron Paul's Jesse Pinkman and Charles Baker, of course, uh, who's in the teaser as Skinny Pete. But we, we don't yeah. we don't really know like the plot necessarily. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We we know that Vince Gilligan it directed it. We know that he wrote it. We know this has a lot yeah. of the producers from the show. We know that yeah. Netflix and AMC. I, I think there is something interesting about the relationship between Netflix and AMC. They're two they're two totally different organizations that like each other a lot yeah. because Netflix mm-hmm. makes a lot of money off of subscriptions because people watch Walking Dead, they watch Breaking Bad, and they watch Mad Men. Three of the biggest AMC shows, and a bunch of others, of course, but those three shows in particular do very well for Netflix. And AMC really loves Netflix, I think, because Netflix has introduced a lot of people to shows that they'll eventually watch on AMC. That binge model has been very helpful for AMC because Breaking Bad itself Mm -hmm. was one of those first shows, I think, that uh, that and Walking Dead, actually, that people -hmm. people really got into Breaking Bad late in the game because they were able to binge the whole thing. That's partly what I did. Like I, I watched it on AMC when it first came out in 2008. But I didn't like mm-hmm. really get into Breaking Bad until I was able to watch these seasons. Same thing goes for Walking Dead, actually. So 
I get the relationship. It, it makes sense. I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of cautious about this one because they, they just aren't telling us anything. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, am I supposed to watch breaking or better call Saul before, before I watch this? Do I have to do that? Will? Well, it certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, I do think it's very interesting that if this does well, either for Netflix or AMC or both, this could inspire more of a relationship like you're talking about between networks and streaming services. Because at, look, at this point, it's safe to say that, you know, streaming services like Netflix and um, cable channels like AMC, they're kind of both at disadvantage in that, you know, obviously with more streaming services coming in and, you know, obviously more content just being around, they have to find different ways to stand out, you know, like make themselves more distinct. And if there is a way to kind of have this kind of relationship with a streaming service and network where they both profit off the final product, that's going to be a pretty fascinating uh, turn of events for what streaming and network television or c- cable television in this case is going to be in the future. So it could be an interesting first step for what the future of television is going to look like on both streaming and cable television. And in that sense, that also makes me very curious about what this film is going to look like. That's definitely very true for Netflix. But I also think about Disney Plus, which is not going to have the binge model uh, for most of their right. shows. But they could be doing something. Do you think like if this does well, like there could be something with like AVC and Disney Plus where they have a similar kind of relationship? Like I that? don't know. I don't know. They could. I, I just I'm looking at Disney Plus sort of being a little bit more throwback, a little bit more of like our episodes are going to it's They're basically going to be like HBO where it's like every single week, it's going to be like an event yeah. sort of thing. Right. So I, I'm not sure how that's going to play with with some of the stuff they have on Hulu and, and AMC, or not AMC, ABC, for example. But I, I do like that Netflix has always been very unapologetic about their model, their binging model. And I do, to what you're saying, I, I like that they are playing well with AMC in that way because they do kind of understand what people like about that sort of entertainment. And it's different from how Disney and HBO and them do things, but I think that's fine. I like the, I like the variety uh, is all I'm saying. So yeah. that's El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. Streams on October 11th. There's another film that actually comes out in theaters on October 11th. It's going to be a limited release for, for reasons another that one. should be obvious. Um, yeah. Parasites. Another one that, yeah, another one I'm very jealous you picked before me. Yes, Bong Joon-ho's but. film, which it's funny too because his last film, Oksha, was a Netflix film. So yeah. uh, kind of kind of ironic or uh, coincidental, I guess we should say. This film has been – is probably one of the, the most talked about foreign films of the year, I want to say. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, Won the Palme d'Or. It's the first Korean film to, to receive that award. Uh, it received, of course, at the Cannes Film Festival. It uh, has already been selected – uh, by South Korea to be the um, in the best international feature film at the upcoming uh, Academy Awards for next year. They have a lot of faith in this film, and I obviously haven't seen it yet. But I think for Bong Joon Ho films, we a lot of people will agree, fantastic filmmaker. I wasn't the biggest fan of Oksha, but Snowpiercer is absolutely like one of my favorite films of the decade, probably certainly in my top twenty. Um, I'm not sure how caught up you are on his filmography, but uh, yeah, I, I guess. I guess uh, I see most the host is probably you think his uh, his yeah. most like okay start here kind of film. Yeah, I don't know if that's more popular than Snowpiercer as far as uh, what the public might know him from, but yeah. yeah, I mean certainly that was my introduction to Bong Joon Ho, and I think it's a very good one. And I'm also a big fan of his follow up film set called Mother, not to be confused with the mm. Darren Aronofsky movie right, right. with Jennifer Lawrence. Um, 
but it's, it's also very good, and uh, I would highly recommend that because uh, I think it kind of gets overlooked uh, as the middle film between the host and Snowpiercer, which is a shame because I think it's uh, quite as good. I actually I think I liked it a little more than Snowpiercer, truth be told. Um, but yeah, I definitely I've really enjoyed I think everything I've seen from him, and I hope this film is no exception. Yeah, so I don't want to know what the plot is. I want to watch this film Nor completely do I. fresh. I've not read any synopsis. I know nothing about it. I'm not watching any yeah. teasers or trailers. I'm just going to watch right. this film as soon I'm as I'm it. allowed to. And yeah. uh, it's 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 great how it's worked out for the film, too, because Neon acquired the rights to distribute. And I think Neon has done a great job of getting their films out there to people, uh, especially in America. And it's going to be getting a pretty decent release. I mean, it's going to be in Russia. It's going to be in French-speaking countries. It's even going to be in Germany. Like People are going to be able to see this film, I think. And if it's as good as I'm hearing, that will be great, <laughs> I think. And uh, that, that's all we have to say about Parasite. That, that's just a film that I have a feeling we're going to be talking about again very soon um, and for hopefully the right reasons. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's October 11th. Here, th- Those are all the October films. Here's a film that comes out right on November 1st. This is another Netflix movie. And, you know, as we're going through it, I'm actually surprised we have more than one Netflix movie on the list, this list. But this is my third most anticipated film. So I had, again, The Lighthouse, Parasite. This is my third one. The Irishman. The Irishman is a film you and I have been talking about on Cinemaholics. I want to say for probably the entire time. Yeah, I feel like we've we've known about this film for a long time. We've been looking forward to it. I have the book. I've been caught up on the story at this point. It's a film that we've we've had a lot of interest in because it's Martin Scorsese. We found out today it's three and a half hours long, so that's great. Two hundred and ten minutes, yeah, supposedly his longest film of all time, uh, longer than Goodfellas, uh, longer than well, yeah. No, I was gonna say just to be clear, there is a chance that that's not the official runtime that it might be cut down because I think that's a festival time. Mm. So there's a chance that they, you know, once right. it premieres the festival, they might cut like ten or twenty minutes or so. I want to see, uh, but I want to see the whole be... thing. I don't want to. No, don't right. don't give me don't give me the the ninety minute version. No, I don't think it'll be ninety happen. minutes. No, but I could see maybe them cutting like you know ten, fifteen, maybe even twenty or twenty five minutes yeah. if if they feel that it's you know too weighted. But I am also saying that. You know, I've written about this on Cinema Blend. Just put an intermission in there. Just put it in. We want we want intermissions uh, on yeah. the Cinema Holics podcast. If you agree, put your Cinema Holics sticker that you can yeah. get from our imaginary merch website. After all, I mean, the chains—they're not playing the movie, so they don't care. Yeah. You can just yeah, the the it's going to be kind of smaller theaters. They're going to play it anyway. It's going to be in landmark so, theaters. It's going to be at the Alamo Draft yeah. House, probably. I don't see it being anywhere else because his last film, Silence, was a bit of a flop. No one saw it. Well, we both really liked I it. I did, yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot too. But but audiences uh, yeah, I, didn't I, even know it was out. Yeah, <laughs> like they just yeah. it came out in like January, like right at the tail end of like the Oscar cutoff, and then yeah, nobody watched it except for us. Yeah, who distributed that one? I forget. Uh, Silence. Um, let's see. I know it was co-produced by some Japanese countries, but I'm pretty yeah. sure the film itself was Paramount's. I hope I'm not wrong about oh, yeah. that because I, I I think it was like Paramount Studio Canal. Um, yeah, don't quote me on that one. Sure, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited about the Irishman. I didn't read the book. I don't know if it's uh, worth reading or if um, it is. You very good is okay. Yeah. I, it's called I Heard um, You Paint Houses. Yeah, so I can I can see why they they went with the Irishman a little more uh, 
uh, snappy a title, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, the trailer definitely looks like, you know, it's kind of harking back to the, uh, the mob movies or the, the mafia movies that we're used to seeing from Scorsese. And, uh, hopefully, you know, I don't want to say a return to form because I, as we've already noted, I think he's, you know, he's never really had a decline period, uh, necessarily, uh, at least not in recent years, yeah, but, that's probably um, true. but it would be like a kind of, uh, return to, uh, the films of your like the, what he's known for, what you typically expect from a Martin Scorsese film in a more stereotypical sense, but I don't mean that in a negative way. Like just like it's it's gonna be like full Marty, the a full Marty party, yeah. and I hope it's uh I hope it's worth the while. Yeah, I know Martin Scorsese. He's wanted to make this movie for a long time. It's been in development since before 2014, right? So it, it's taken a while, and I mean, look at you just look at this cast: Robert De Niro as Frank the Irishman, Sheeran. I think that's uh, Robert De Niro and 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 Martin Scorsese are just two peas in a pot, right? But then you also have Al Pacino, who, of course, uh, part of the some of the best films of all time, which are, of course, mob movies, the Godfather films. He plays Jimmy Hoffa, who somebody who I you know surprisingly hasn't been portrayed that often in popular culture. I Whoa. think Jack Nicholson is probably yeah, the most prominent. Hoffa, the- Dan DeVito movie, yeah. Yeah, the Hoffa from 1992. And then, uh, yeah, he, Jimmy Hoffa's shown up in some things here and there, some miniseries and such. But yeah, th- this is going to be uh, de- definitely definitely a big role for him. Joe Pesci, uh, back on the back on the big screen. Yeah. I'm, I'm very nervous but excited about this. Uh, First movie in uh, almost 10 years, I believe. Yeah, if not longer. And then Harvey Keitel, uh, also uh, on the big screen again after it feels like a while. I don't know if he's been on maybe a movie here or there. Uh, I, I don't remember seeing him recently. Yeah, Grand Budapest. Okay. Uh, a couple other things. Yeah. That was a while ago. Uh, Bobby Cannavale is, of course, in this as well. And Anna Paquin. I mean, this cast is just fantastic. Ray Romano, Sebastian Maniscalco. It, it, uh-huh. It's a who's who um, of, of Italian-Americans, yeah. that's for sure. But that's The Irishman. Long movie. It, it's going to be premiering, I believe, at the New York Film Festival at the end of September. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hear about it. Like we're going to hear if it's good or not from some people or whether or not they liked it. We should say before it hits Netflix, but then again, it's not actually going to hit. Sorry. I actually misspoke. It has a limited theatrical release on November 1st. It doesn't hit Netflix on November 1st. It hits Netflix on November 27th. So that's Thanksgiving weekend. Makes a lot of sense though, because Thanksgiving weekend is like prime Netflix time, right? Yeah. Because people are at home for the holidays, they're like, remember how yeah, well they're not, Bird Box and Bright did, right? Yeah, I was gonna say if they weren't seeing Frozen two, <laughs> yeah, uh, they'll be at home watching Netflix, I, I guess. Oh yeah, I looked that up. Uh, Frozen two actually comes out the weekend before Thanksgiving, and then the twenty seventh oh, is see. a Wednesday. So I, I had it, I had it completely the other way around. So well, I mean that makes sense because probably you know they they don't. Um, you know, I'm guessing with schools they probably let off that the week. Mm. So, you know, like that Friday would be like the last day of school and it's like we can well, – yeah. we have a long weekend and we can see Frozen 2 in theaters now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's going to be playing that entire holiday week, so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But all right, that's The Irishman. Again, it'll hit a limited theatrical release on November 1st. If you live near an Alamo Draft House or a Landmark Theater, you'll probably be able to see it. Uh, similar to how Roma – was in some theaters early on, and I do remember I saw Roma in a landmark theater. So otherwise, you'll be able to see it later on, on November 27th. All right, Will, we have just one movie left on our most anticipated list, and it's yours. What is this film, and when does it come out? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the Mr. Rogers biopic with Tom Hanks called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, this is directed by, what's her name, Marielle Heller? That's right. Is that Yeah, did I get that name pronunciation yeah, right? Yeah, you got it right. 
Hey, one one for me. Uh, yeah, you you probably know her from last year's Can You Ever Forgive Me, as well as her directorial debut, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, I believe. That yeah, that was what it was called, right? Both fantastic yeah. movies. Yeah, I really enjoyed both films. Uh, but this one, it, you know, hits near and dear to me. It, it's uh, about our local television personality, Fred Rogers. Um, he had a beautiful documentary come out about him last year called Won't You Be My Neighbor. And by the way, I'm local sure- to Pittsburgh, in case some people don't know mm-hmm. your hometown. Right, right. Um, yeah, and it was filmed here in Pittsburgh as well. Unfortunately, uh, don't expect a cameo from me. I tried, uh, but I did not get a part in the film. <laughs> not not even really in an episode one. of Mr. Rogers where you're one of the kids in the background? No. I. That's actually one of my biggest regrets is never meeting Mr. Rogers. Uh. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so this is just going to be – it's based on an Esquire uh, article or feature – um, so it's not going to be like his full life story, I should stress. It's going to be just about like a slice of life, kind of uh, him in his older years, I think around like maybe 60 or so, um, being interviewed by this kind of skeptic journalist uh, who doesn't really, uh, you know, believe the magic, doesn't really yeah. think it's uh, authentic. Tom Junot. Um, right. And it seems like he's going to probably have a bigger role in the film than he does in the article, because I have read the feature that the film is based on. Um, yeah, so it, it, it could go either way the trailer does seem maybe a little too saccharine uh in a way that's kind of worrying me a bit but um i'm hoping for the best here i obviously really really want this movie to be good um you know just when they first show 90s pittsburgh uh at the beginning of the trailer you know my heart went a flutter it hit me uh uh, these disney live action remakes ever can um and you know that alone was i think worth a while but i'm really hoping the movie itself uh lives up to what it could be. And I'm really hoping that Tom Hanks, uh, you know, makes it work. I obviously know that from many films at this point that he is a, a well-proven talent. And I think he could be the right person for this part if he does it well. So I'm really hoping for the best with this. This is one I obviously really have uh, high emotional stakes in as far as its ultimate success. And uh, hopefully I'll be seeing its praises when it comes out this November 22nd. I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary from Morgan Neville that just for some reason didn't even get nominated for an Academy Award. And it looks like this will probably be the Oscar movie that gives Mr. Rogers his due. Um, of course, played here by Tom Hanks. I'm a little put off by the fact that just Tom Hanks does not look like Mr. Rogers. It's hard to get around that, but I'm hoping that the performance mm-hmm. definitely puts that aside and just lets you... Just sit in this world and uh, forget yeah. all of that. And I, I think that's very possible. Tom Hanks has done it so many times in his career. We should not. Uh, we should not doubt him at this point for sure. Yeah, he's not one forty three. Uh, I think it's a documentary he talked about. Did the documentary go into that? The, which documentary? I, I think it did. Won't you be my neighbor? Didn't t- they talk about him being one hundred forty three pounds? Oh, oh, I was like, I didn't know what you meant by one forty three. I was like, the movie forty three. Oh, We're talking sorry. about that now. No, no, no. Uh, you know, it's it, he he. Mr. Rogers went out of his way, and this is something that the article details a lot. To be yeah, that was in the documentary. I love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's his favorite thing. Um, right? yeah. So yeah, and then the eyebrows seem a little distracting. Um, I I, I don't know if they needed to make those so prominent, but yeah, I I I we've seen several examples where when we see the actor, you know, stills and trailers, it's like I don't know, I don't really buy that, but when you see the film, it's like oh, you know, the actor just appears and it's that person. So I'm hoping that's what happens here. Um, we'll see. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I do agree with you that it doesn't quite look exactly like Mr. Rogers that we know from considering that he's such a prominent TV figure. Nor could it, but uh, we'll see how it turns yeah. out. All right. So this next yeah. one. My pick was always uh, Ty Burrell or what's his name? The guy from Modern Family. 
Oh yeah. Oh wow. Uh, I always thought he would be a good Mister Rogers. Huh, now that you say it, yeah. Now now I'm gonna have to think about that for a while. If only he was a good enough actor. Uh, I I don't. Oh, mean you're not that. a big fan of Ty Burrell. He's fine. I'm just I being nice. I'm just being mean. Yeah. But all right. Yeah. Those are our most anticipated films nice. of the fall. <laughs> yeah, I know for Mister Rogers, it's supposed to be nice. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about our dark horse films. Uh, we can go a little bit quicker through this one because I think the first one here we already mentioned Ad Astra. That's your dark horse. Comes out September twentieth. It was pushed down a bit. And why why is it your dark horse? Do you think it's just because the the release date has you worried? Um, it's not so much the quality of the film as far as my dark horse reasoning. It's more that I don't know how it's going to do. I'm very worried about what Disney is going to do as far as its release. Like I'm worried that the trailers are going to make it seem like this like big like gravity s like space adventure and it's always going to be you know a james gray film so it's going to be a lot more subdued a lot of uh quiet scenery scenes and i'm worried that audiences are going to be like this isn't what the trailer was and uh not come out to see it um that's my concern for it being a dark horse um i don't know if the, the trailer has really blown me away either i think it looks good but i don't know if it looks like quite like james gray great yet but i'm obviously going to give everyone involved the benefit of the doubt um, I think this could be something really special. It does look a lot like Space Cowboys too, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I could see this one being a really amazing film. And uh, my uncertainties are less about the quality and more just about my concerns that Disney will mess up the release. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Actually, I think that Brad Pitt being the star of role, I think some of some of his uh, clout or goodwill that he earned with audiences once upon a time in Hollywood is going to help out here. A bit. Tommy Lee Jones is apparently in this, but they're like downplaying him in the movie as Brad Pitt's father, I guess. Uh, I'm not really sure what this movie is about or what it's going for. I agree that so far Disney has not had a good track record with distributing Fox films uh, just because it just seems like they're not interested in putting in that extra effort, which is just a little bit BS to me. But, you know, it, it's an expensive film. Um, costs $87 million to make. So they, they got to be hoping that it, it earns at least double that. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be up against some, some some serious competition. I guess we should leave it at that. Uh, it's going to be premiering at the Venice yeah. Film Festival uh, later this week. Uh, so we're recording this actually before, like by the time people are listening to this, it'll have already premiered. So I think that's a good sign that they're rolling out in festival right. circuits. So uh, I'm, Me too. I, I agree. yeah, I'm definitely not super worried or anything, but I am a little bit like, mm-hmm. mm, uh, is is this is this going to be marketed to what you're saying like correctly <laughs> or in a way that's going to make it effective? Yeah. Uh, the next film we have here is Joker. So this is another Warner Brothers film that, you know, I did misspeak earlier because I said there aren't any other like DC movies. That's not technically true. Joker yeah. is a DC movie coming out. Right. So I, 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 I'm full of mistakes. Uh, so this this episode. Well, this is a um, they, they, they gave this one a new label, right? Isn't it like something like DC Dark? I think that's like part that. of it is that like, like they're they're really downplaying the connection between this and it's like. They're, it's like they're ashamed of it as a superhero film. They're not ashamed, but just like they don't want people to make that association. They want people to just really engage with this film on a totally different level of it just happens to feature a character from the DC comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, talking about the film itself, uh, this is one that as soon as like it was introduced and more information came out, I'm like, even if this movie isn't good, it's obviously going to be very intriguing for me. Just because, obviously, as soon as Joaquin Phoenix was involved, I'm like, done, I'm seeing it. Because I think Joaquin Phoenix is uh, 
one of the fine, actually not one of the finest. See, I think he's the finest actor working today. I, I consider him as close as we got to a uh, working Marlon Brando. I think he is a tremendous actor who really chameleons into his roles, and I think he is very um, choosy about what he picks. Like, I don't think he um, does a film just to do it. Like, I think he has to feel like it's worth the effort, and that's not to say that every one of his movies has been. Uh, a worthwhile success. Obviously, there's been a couple like uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot that end up being a misfire. Um, But this movie could be a misfire. It could be a very big disaster in the way that a lot of people um are anticipating, kind of to a worrisome degree, uh, how much glee some people are getting uh, about dismissing this film. But I think that's less about the movie itself and more that uh, about the people who are probably going to already champion it without even seeing it. Uh, that's my big concern too, is that I don't want to, I, I, this is one of those times where I'm not really looking forward to the conversation around the film. Uh, it's going to be like an even more extreme version of what we had for once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, and it's probably going to get very ugly very quickly. And, um, I don't want to be on Twitter when that's happening, but that's for the film itself. Um, it's inspired by, uh, speaking of Martin Scorsese again, one of my favorite Scorsese films, The King of Comedy, uh, which has, I think, maybe my favorite Robert De Niro performance, and it's the film you just recently yeah. watched. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little I bit. I think you're right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm very, very curious about this film in a way that I can't guarantee it's going to be good. Uh, but that trailer hooked me. I think it's a great trailer. And um, Todd Phillips is a director that ha- generally uh, he's more missing. Yeah. Hit. Let's talk about Todd yeah. Phillips. Let's talk about some but, of his films. I mean, yeah, I mean, more often than not, his films aren't very good. But when he's good, I mean, I mean, people want to dismiss The Hangover for its successes, but I'll say it. I think it's a well-directed the movie. The first Hangover like, I think is, as far as yeah. The studio, yeah, that's what I mean. I think it's a well-directed comedy. And I think when he's on his game, like, I think he can be a good director. My problem is that I don't know if this is going to be the right material for him. Obviously, War Dogs is a film that I didn't really care for. Um, I think that was him trying to hearken to Scorsese, that time being... Um, Goodfellas in a way that felt very obvious and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, it, it didn't feel like a flattering imitation of his work, in my opinion, even though it had a, a really solid performance from Jonah Hill. Uh, it, it ultimately didn't suit me too well. And I'm worried it's going to be more of the same of that with the Joker. But I'll say that it's just a big question mark for me, which is a lot more intriguing than a film, uh, like, I don't know. Um, what's a film that seems like a guaranteed success at this point? Like in general? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like it's coming out in the next couple months. I mean, we we talked uh, about it, chapter two. That's obviously gonna right. Be yeah, success. something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, we we could look at all kinds of films on this list that we'll get to, right? That just like right. even Irishman. Irishman's gonna be a film people are gonna mm-hmm. talk about, even if it's not that great. People are gonna watch it and have strong opinions about it one way or the other, right? Right. That's the thing is that this movie, I genuinely don't know what I'm going to get. It could be an amazing movie that blows all my expectations out of the water, or it could be a huge disaster that I'm fearing it's going to be. Or it could just be more likely just a very okay film that, uh, you know, doesn't really do what it does, but it looks nice and uh, has a couple standout moments. That's probably what's going to end up being. But, you know, it's like a big mystery box to me, and I I can't help but be uh, curious to check it out when it comes to theaters on uh, October 4th, I believe, right? That's the case. And I think this is going to be a big hit, right? It, it costs $55 million to make. I think it's going to make way more than that. I think people oh, yeah. are going to- has a great cast. People are going to come out and see it. It does have a good cast. Uh, Robert De Niro mm-hmm. is in this movie. Uh, he's he's just having quite the fall. Zazie, uh, Z- Zazie yeah. Beats. Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Uh, yeah. who's, uh, who's in another movie this fall that we were just talking about. And uh, Francis Conroy. So- 
Yeah. It, it is. And uh, Brian Tyree Henry, right? Uh, Isn't he in it too? Yes, he is. Uh, he's like a nurse, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, Mark Marin is in the yeah. film. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bill Camp. So plenty of people. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, I love all those people. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's, here's the thing. We've kind of alluded to it. I, I do think that it, it is being made by DC Films. So it's Village Roadshow, but DC has a hand in it. So we don't want to make it sound like it's totally mm-hmm. removed from DC. I don't want that to come across people. Oh, what the Joker in it alone, it's obviously – uh, in the DC, you know, wheelhouse. Right, but just p- pointing out, but. they have a hand in this. Here's something weird. So, Todd Phillips, looking at his filmography, the last film he directed was War Dogs. As you mentioned, he also did, before that, Hangover Part 3 and Hangover Part 2. He also did Due Date, film that's not terrible, but I just remember being thoroughly unimpressed by the Robert Downey Jr., Zach yeah, Alphamakis. Very yeah, very middle. Yeah, middle of the road, pun intended, all that. Uh, <laughs> I do really like Old School. Old School is my favorite movie from him. I also, yeah. Guilty Pleasure, I guess, but I really like Road Trip. Um, that's the film he wrote and directed. Isn't, and um, I haven't seen it, but his like first two films are like a fish documentary and like a like kind of mockumentary about like a frat or something. Yeah. Like those movies are supposed to be really the good. The first one's a documentary. I forget what it's um, called, but the second one, uh, Frat House, is I think what you're talking about. Right. But then there's also like the fish yeah. documentary. Which is supposed to be like his best work, which I haven't seen, but it's supposed to be really amazing. Um, um, oh, the one, so, the uh, one about yeah, Gigi Allen. Yeah, is it? Because um, there's also truth be told, I don't. Yeah. Oh no, you're talking about Bittersweet Motel. That came out after. Is it? That, that's like that. That he okay. came out with that the same year as Road Trip. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't. Is this seen Is supposed it, to be though. his best film? I don't know. People who've seen it said it's like it, that's his best work. Hmm. So I mean, I'm not even like a fish fan, but I've just heard it's like really worth checking out. So that's what I mean. Like when he's on his game, he seems to be like he makes some good stuff. It's just that he's not on his game all that often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He made a uh, Starsky and Hutch, um, School for oh, Sound- yeah. Scoundrels. Um, yeah, yeah. He wrote Borat. Uh, School for Scoundrels. He's okay. a co-writer. Yeah, he was one of the writers for Borat. Yeah. So he's an Oscar nominee. <laughs> he is. Yeah, no, that, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't like yeah. School for Scoundrels as much as much as I like Billy Bob Thornton. Um, so, it was okay. So yeah, like you said, bit hit or miss all around. Another weird thing is he produced A Star Is Born from just last year. And Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. who directed that film, is a producer on this film, which is a connection that I'm yeah. really curious about. Like, I really want to know more about. No, I don't think he's going to be in it, but I'm just really, I just don't understand it. Like, I don't get what brought Bradley Cooper and Todd Phillips together. Uh, that that surprised well, me. Well, obviously, The Hangover. Well, just in the sense of like to make movies like this, because like Hangover is such a departure well, he- from. What those movies are about. I always got the sense yeah. that Bradley Cooper kind of was like done with those films after the first one. Um, maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't want to assume, but I mean, he did. I think Bradley Cooper was also a producer on uh, War Dogs as well. Oh, I bet that. No, oh, that would make sense then if they just sort of never left yeah. each other's side. That's actually kind of nice in a way. Right. Uh, also, one of the co-writers is Scott Silver, who another super hit or miss dude. Right. Um, his, the last film he wrote was The Finest Hours. Didn't even see that one. That's the Chris Pine film, the the Disney. Sort oh, of, the boat yeah, one. They're on a boat. Um, yeah, I remember that. And then Vaguely. the film before that was The Fighter. Like so, six years removed. Um, mm. And he he co-wrote that, so he didn't really have the biggest hand in it. That's a great film. But then the year before that, X Men Origins Wolverine. Proof. Uh, one of the worst films of that decade, uh, some would say. And he had. Un- I should say he he helped rewrite. Origins Wolverine. He's not like one of the. the I, I don't even. I'm not even sure he's credited on that film. 
the only the only film Scott Silver has a hand in that I think is like legitimately really good as a writer is Eight Mile. So okay, I just I look at the creative talent behind Joker and I just don't see it yet. I see the cast, but I don't. My 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 trepidation is less on the like, oh, here's another white man psychopath. I get all those complaints of like, we're so sick of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, Breaking Bad, seriously, like people are just getting sick of that whole aesthetic. I'm more curious and concerned, I guess, about the people behind the camera, as we've already mentioned. That's probably enough Joker talk, actually. <laughs> we should move on. We'll get all well, we'll get to all this in a month I mean, or two. Right? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it's just intriguing enough where it's like. There are enough talented people and there's enough like worrisome people involved where it's like it can really swing any which way. <laughs> it's like not in any certain terms what the quality of this movie is going to be. And like I said, I'm not really looking forward to what the conversation is going to be, even no matter how I feel about the film. And I imagine the res- the opinions about the film are going to extremely vary. Um, but yeah, it's it's um it's a big question mark. I'm very curious about it. Um, we should also mention at one point Scorsese was a producer on the film and he's not anymore. So that's a little concerning as well. Um, I don't know if he just got too busy or if he stopped believing in the project, but in any case, yeah, it's a big question mark, and that's why it's a dark force. Right me. on, right on. Uh, we really got to just breeze past the rest of these. Sure. There, there aren't a lot that I'm all that curious about anyway, but another October 11th film is The Addams Family. This is the animated one. It looks kind of fun. Oh, from your your favorite filmmaker behind Sausage Party. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I know what you're probably thinking that I'm a hypocrite that I have I have no standing whatsoever but I've always had I mean you like the the Adams family right like like the show or the movies the, the movies I like both, yeah. right like I I've always I've always thought it's just a great idea it's a it's a great it's a great motif and I really like this voice cast Oscar Isaac Shirley Theron Chloe Grace Moretz mm-hmm. it, it's good uh, Nick Kroll you love Nick Kroll. And yeah, a good guy. <laughs> yeah, am I the biggest fan of Conrad Vernon? Not necessarily. I think that uh, you know he he's uh, done some films that I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, some Madagascar, DreamWorks stuff uh, doesn't quite work for me. But at the same time, I, I think that I, I don't know. You're a big fan. I of, want this uh, to succeed. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. long time ago, of course, but um, so I I I. I You've told me that you prefer Shrek 2 over Shrek 1. I do. I do. Which, yeah. I do. Which I think is absurd, but that's not a It's not absurd. It's just true. Um, Now, to your- I mean, I thought that when I was a kid. (laughs) Now, I I, I do think, yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Greg Tiernan's feature debut, um, Sausage Party. And I, I don't, I don't know if I blame that solely on him. I just, I think that was a heavily Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg thing. And I just thought that film was miserable, but- I have nothing against him. So, I, and he's really an animator. So, like, from what I've seen, Adam's Family has like an a, something to its animation that's interesting. I finally saw the first full trailer where they get into the story, and that worries me a lot. So, it's still a bit of a dark horse. Yeah. I, I don't know if people are really going to come out for this, but as a Halloween movie, sure. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't know. Where, where yeah. are you at? Um, so, I'm kind of on the opposite end with Sauce's Party. Like, I was kind of mixing the film all together. But I think what I liked about it was more the Seth Rogen stuff and less what I perceived to be his involvement, which I think kind of made the film a little more, based on what I'm seeing for this trailer, a lot more kind of garish and bombastic than uh, what that film, I think, should have been. And I don't know, it just seems like I don't really like the look of this new Adams family. Like, I get that he's trying to hearken to the 2D design, but, you know, some things are 2D for a reason. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't look visually appealing to me. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the comedy that I'm seeing here. 
Um, I did enjoy the frog gag in the one trailer I saw, but uh, beyond that, I don't know. It just doesn't. I like the Adams Family, but this doesn't really look like it's going to be something worth seeing. But who knows? Maybe it'll be the surprise of the fall. I also enjoy the frog gag. I think that's a pretty inspired goof. Yeah. Okay, that's Adams Family. Two films come out on October 18th, and they're very, very different from each other. One of them, I, I'm actually surprised you have as a dark horse. I actually think this one could be really good. Jojo Rabbit. This is the new Taika Waititi film where Hitler is somebody's imaginary friend. Um, just describing that gives me joy. But why, why is it a dark horse? Right. Uh, again, it's also it's less about the quality of the film and more about Disney. In that we there was this article that came out where it's like they don't know. Like I guess some executives are kind of nervous about having the film under their house, and I'm very concerned with what they're going to do with it. Um, so that's my concern mainly. I think the film is finished, and I think it's going to come out as it is. But I don't know if it's going to be. I don't even know if it's going to come out this fall. They might delay it to the spring. Based on what I've heard, which is just pure speculation, so I can't say if I have any official knowledge on that. But um, yeah, I I just don't. Uh, I want it to be good. I really think the the trailer is a lot of fun. I think the premise is just kooky and uh, original enough that I could see us being really something outstanding. I also think the trailer looks maybe a little bit too much like Moonrise Kingdom, but uh, that that that's a pretty minor complaint in the scheme of things. But my Dark Horse uh, placement here has less to do with um, what I perceive to be a, uh, you know, m- maybe potentially bad film. I think it's going to be good. I'm just very nervous about how Disney is going to handle it. That's, again, my concern. Yeah, I, I haven't read the book. Caging Skies by Christine. Oh, it's based on a book. It is. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know how much Disney can mess with this film um, in that sense. But I honestly, what's got me with this movie is the cast. I, I think the cast, with the exception of Rebel Wilson, has me so excited. And also, mm, I, I'm here. starting to get a little annoyed with Scarlett Johansson, but that's a totally different conversation. But Thomason, yeah. Thomason McKenzie is in this movie. We haven't seen her since Leave No Trace. Uh, one of my favorite performances from last year. Uh, I, I can't wait to see her follow up to that film. Stephen Merchant, always great to see him. Alfie Allen, yeah. who uh, from Game of Thrones, Sam Rockwell. It, it, it's of all the casts and the films we're talking about, this is probably the one that I'm just most giddy about, I guess. But yeah, to your point, I, I think I think Disney is being nicer to Fox Searchlight than they are to some of the other studios. So that's that's the thing that gives me maybe like a false sense of hope. They they did a good job with like Ready or Not, for example. And I, I yep. hope that carries over to here. And there's another film we talked about earlier, this Fox Searchlight. Um, was it Ad Astra? Uh, Ad Astra? Yeah. I think. It's, I was going to say, is that Fox Searchlight I, as well? Yeah, maybe. Unless I'm mixing things up. But yeah, so that, I mean, it is a Fox film. Oh, wait. No, I think it's Lucy in the Sky. Oh, that's okay. That's yeah. Fox Searchlight. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. the TBD, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I think that it's Psycho YTT, so I'm, I'm automatically excited for that reason. And uh, I was I I was very close to putting this on my most anticipated for sure. Surprised you didn't. I, I am too, a little bit. Um, yeah. All right, and then here's my dark horse because we we just finished going through all yours. Uh, I just have two left. Another film for October 18th is Zombieland Double Tap. I think I keep going back and forth with this movie. I don't know how you feel about mm-hmm. it. Me too. Yeah, I'm about the same. It's just. It's not that I think it's going to be bad. I th- I think it's going to be dull. Like I, I just think that it's going to uh, be a movie that, because it's zombies, where I feel like we're done with zombies at this point, right? Like we've been done for a while. Eh, well, that's good. I don't. I wouldn't say. I that, mean, dead don't die. Dead don't die didn't really carry far. And uh, the thing that the thing that interests me in this movie is not the zombie aspect at all. What interests me is seeing Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, 
Abigail Breslin and Emma Stone back together. The, the, that was a yeah, that was a group of four that was just so perfectly cast for Zombieland. Was that 2010? Yeah, and it's fascinating with the exception, I guess, of Abigail Breslin. Like they've the three of them uh, have gone on to you know make very big movies, and uh, they're all like way bigger stars now than they were when they first made Zombieland. So they have them all back is quite an accomplishment. And so, I, I hold nothing against Abigail Breslin for taking a break. I don't have anything either, but she just hasn't really done well, much. To, to what to to that point, right? Like Abigail Breslin was a child actor who worked and worked and worked throughout her childhood. Same thing with Dakota Fanning. Yeah. And I really, I really respect both of those actors for just taking some time off. I think that's super valid and I'm glad they did that. I think that that's just a very healthy thing to do because being a child actor is very hard and it can cause all kinds of uh, nightmarish circumstances for people that we hold dear. So, and I really like how this cast is going to be expanded. Bill Murray is supposed to be coming back. Um, but then we're also going to see Rosario Dawson, Zoe Deutsch, Luke Wilson, Thomas Middleditch, Dan Aykroyd. I mean, it's going to be, it's it's going to be an interesting movie. I don't know if it's going to be a good movie. I don't know if it's going to have anything about it that justifies going back into this. Well, I've know they've they've been talking about this sequel for so long. It hurts. I wish it had been like some kind of like TV series. But if you're going to do the movie again, they're they're well, on the did. right track, right? They did. They did. Do- oh no. The Amazon thing, yeah. if you forget. I did forget about that. <laughs> um, but Ruben Fleischer is back as director too. So those are the things that give me hope. It's a dark horse in the sense that I just don't know if audiences are going to care. But I think that it could be better than dull. <laughs> I'll put, I'll go that far. And then lo- I, yeah. this is one that um, I'm really hoping for the best with this because I do quite enjoy that first Zombieland movie. But I don't know. All signs point to it being probably pretty bad. Just the trailer didn't really seem that good. Uh, the writers, I mean, I like Deadpool, but some of their other stuff has been kind of hit and miss and Ruben Fletcher. I mean, he's like the definition of a one hit wonder at this point. Uh, all the other, I think three other movies that he's done after Zombieland have been maybe not financial flops, but certainly, uh, quality wise, they, they don't quite match up to what he did with his first movie. So this is the one that I think for me, as far as Ruben Fletcher, it's going to be a make or break. Like if he can't recapture that magic they had with the first movie, I'm, I think I'm going to count myself out as far as what Ruben Fletcher does next. Um, but yeah, I, I want it to be good. Yeah, I can see why you put it as a dark horse, but I don't know. It, I'm I'm not sold okay. yet based on what I've well, seen. Well, I, I want to push back a little bit on Ruben Fleischer. I think that I like 30 minutes or less a lot better than most people. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's I think okay. it's very it's average, but in a nice way. Like it's not trying to be better than it is that kind of thing. And it's no Pineapple Express, but I liked it. Gangster Squad agreed. Not a great film. Uh, he was a producer on two movies I like: Two Night Stand and Unicorn Store. As you know, I'm a big fan of Unicorn Store. Now he did direct mm-hmm. Venom. Venom is a film I do not like at all, but people really like that film. So like, I wouldn't, I don't think it's fair to call him a one hit wonder. I think that uh, maybe critically, but financially, no, I mean, he's proven with Venom that he still, he still has something with audiences. And the, my main pushback though, is that in TV, he has been killing it. Uh, he's directed some oh. great episodes of Superstore, which is what one of my favorite okay, sitcoms and Santa Clarita diet, which I'm not, I, I'm not a big fan of, but I know like, He's done a few episodes of that as an executive producer, but um, that that's a show that I've heard that he helped sort of uh, really bring into its own. So just saying, I I have a little bit more hope mainly for those reasons. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm gonna go in open minded for Zombieland two. Uh, that was a double tap. Is that the subtitle? Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. I want it to be good. 
Um, and I, I will say, even the trailer doesn't work for me, that last gag at the end of the trailer um, is one that inspires hope. Like, if it's mostly that, unless, like, everything that came in the two minutes before, um, I could see this one being pretty fun. And obviously, you know, they, they've spent a decade, hopefully, uh, cooking up ideas for what this movie could be. So hopefully that, that means that they have some good stuff that they're not spoiling in the trailers. Um, but as of now, I'm, I'm very... Uh, very much on the fence with this with this movie so far. Right, I haven't seen the trailer. I've avoided it because oh, okay. I'm just I don't want to get hurt. So yeah. pretty yeah, much. If you saw that trailer, maybe you wouldn't put it as a dark horse. <laughs> that's probably uh, from what I, from what I've heard. That's probably the case. But I'm holding out hope regardless. Speaking of hopeless romance, my last dark horse is Last Christmas, and Last Christmas comes out November eighth. It's not a dark horse in the sense that I think that it's going to be financially successful. I think that people are going to watch this film. I think people probably will like it. I think it's a dark horse in the sense that I, I, I'm wondering, are critics going to like it? I think audiences are going to like it, but this is a new Paul Feig film. Um, yeah, which guarantees it as a dark horse. I, I think. think so, right? I, I think that Yeah. here's another director who I have been so hit or miss with. I love A Simple Favor. Yeah. I love Bridesmaids. I uh, can't stand okay. Spy, much to some people's chagrin, oh. and I can't stand Ghostbusters. So, see, I'm I'm the exact op- I'm pretty much the exact opposite. <laughs> with um, uh, I mean, I I thought a simple favor was fine. I really think what made that work was um Blake Lively's performance and the costumes and the sets. If it wasn't for those three factors, I think the film would have been uh, a lot more patchy uh than it already was. Um, yeah, I, and I. I would say his best is probably Spy, which I know you push back on a lot, but I'd say that's like the one film of his I would actually say is like outright good and not mixed uh, to positive. Um, C, and I hate the C movie. Heat. Oh yeah, the Heat. Nobody likes the Heat. Uh, not, oh no, some people definitely like the Heat. I've had some conversations about that film. Were that they, is a terrible film. Were I think, they heated but, conversations? Uh, <laughs> more so than uh, I think you use that definition. I'd say. All right. Um, but yeah, I I um. I thought Ghostbusters was fine. I definitely think it was a as a as a term you used last week, kind of much ado about nothing in a way. Like it, it was this big, uh, you know. There's a lot of pushback. It was a lot of uh, heated conversations for what I felt was ultimately a kind of average film, and unfortunately average at that because I wanted it to succeed um, more than it ultimately did. But um, yeah, I, I I think I prefer when he kind of scales back. I think he's a really good writer when he actually writes. I think that's the reason why I like Spy the most is because he actually wrote that film. Um, and I guess he wrote a little bit of uh, Ghostbusters too. Um, so I know he didn't write this one though. It was Emma Thompson, right? Emma Thompson. Well, she co-wrote the story with her husband, Greg Wise. She co-wrote the screenplay okay. with Brioni Kimmings, who is better known in the British like live theater sort of scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, and that gives me this, this is a Christmas movie. If you couldn't tell, it stars Amelia Clark, Henry Golding, Michelle Yeoh, and Emma Thompson, and it's kind of like a romantic holiday comedy um, from Universal. And I, I just I look at all of those pieces and I see success. I see okay, that's what people are going to watch. That people are going to go to the theaters around Christmas time or hol- or Thanksgiving, we should say, and they're probably going to watch this. And does the movie look all that good? Honestly, I just I think this is going to be one of the ones that critics are like eh, it's acceptably bad. Or like, it's it's got all the tropes and everything like that. I think it's going to probably do box office similar to maybe like The Hustle or like one of those other sort of like, well, that's not really a romantic film, but you know, just kind of like a regular sort of like comedy with maybe like rom-com level sort of box office. It's not going to be a huge hit probably, but I, I want to see it. I love the song last Christmas. That's all this is really about. That's one of my favorite Christmas songs. So you, oh, I have a feeling you'll disagree. It's based on a song? 
Yeah. It's based on last, a song? Last Christmas, oh, I gave you my heart. And the very next right, day, that's it. you gave Anything it away. Anything positive I said about the film, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rescinding. If it's based on a Christmas song, I'm Well, not I, only is it based on oh, a Christmas, it's based on a song by Wham. So I'm guessing that changes everything, right? Or wait, no. It wasn't really... Uh, not Wham. It's uh, George Michael, isn't it? It is. It's George yeah, Michael. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, nothing against George Michael, but I'm, I'm not crazy about a movie that's based on a song, hmm. but we'll see. I don't know. I do like Emma Thompson. That's what's giving me hope here. All right. That's last Christmas. Remember 8th. Uh, films we're morbidly curious about. And boy, we, we are just... We're taking our sweet time with this episode. <laughs> no, this is going well, to be a, a conversation piece, because if... Uh, <sighs> These are some picks. Morbidly curious, indeed. Uh, one of these films you have on your list, I've seen already. So I'm morbidly yeah. curious. I'm more curious about like what you're gonna think of it. Um, but first, there's Downton Abbey. I have as a film I'm morbidly curious about. September twentieth. Did you watch that show? I never watched it. That's why I'm morbidly curious. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it either. I'm gonna see it, and I just want to see it without any context. I'm ready. I'm ready to watch this Downton Abbey thing and just see how absurd. I interpret it. Another film that comes out is The Death of Dick Long. That's a film that I saw a few months ago. I yeah. I like the film the more I've thought about it. I, I've come around a little bit. I think I was kind of hard on it before. And Oh, yeah. That, that listener definitely thought so. That's true. That's true. We had a listener who was very annoyed. I didn't like the film as much. Yeah. But, you know, it happens. And I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely... Part of the reason I came around on it was because... I think the the appreciation I started to feel was like th- there is like a, a dark message behind this movie that I, I the thing I criticize it for is like it takes forever to get to the point, <laughs> I guess. Um, sure. But you're looking forward to it, and uh, I guess uh, there's some marketing material out for it now. And uh, what's what's uh-huh. your morbid curiosity? Is it because of the filmmaker in question here? Uh, that's exactly yeah, and it's an I believe it's an A24 film as well, right? Is that correct? Um, not sure. I thought it was A24. Oh, um, it is. It if is. I, if it's not. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, um, it's one half of the Daniels, and Daniels made not only one of my favorite movie of 2016, but probably one of my favorite movies of this decade, which is Swiss Army Man. Uh, so whatever even one half of them are doing next is instantly going to guarantee my interest and uh, hopefully my enthusiasm. Um, and I, I enjoyed the trailer. I, I, dig, I dig what it was looking like so far, and I'm hoping uh, I like the movie maybe a little more than you did. I don't expect it to be another Swiss Army Man for what you and many other people have said thus far. Um, but it seems like an intriguing premise. I usually give A24, A24 movies the benefit of the doubt. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'd say it's, it's definitely one that I'm curious about. Morbidly, I guess, uh, is only fitting given the death in the title. Yeah, uh, it's Daniel Scheinert, um, who directed this. He also stars in it, sort of. Um, but, you know, you'll see what I mean there. And uh, Is he Dick Long? He's Dick Long, yeah. There you go. So yeah, that's, <laughs> there's where that sort of comes in. Yeah, critics really like this film so far. Like, out of 16 reviews, 81% like it. So take that as you will. Um, I just... There was something about like the runtime. I hope like the the version of it that comes out is a little bit more is edited a little bit better. That that could solve so many problems with it because I like what the film's going for, and I like kind of uh, what it's about like overall. But wow, it just yeah, it it takes a minute to get to its point. But that's Death of Dick Long comes out September twenty seventh. I think we're gonna have a great conversation about that film in the near future. Yeah. Expect many emails. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Whatever our conversation is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's another film coming out called Pain and Glory. Have, have you heard a lot about this one? It's October 4th. Uh, No, 
Who, who's behind this movie? Right. So this is a Spanish film, and and one of the reasons it's caught my attention a bit is because it stars Antonio Banderas, and this one. Uh, oh, is this um? Is this who I think it is behind it? Yeah, I won't give away, but I I believe I know. Yeah. Who you're talking so about so now. Pedro Almodovar. Um, oh yeah. He. Oh yeah. The film. Yeah. The film actually. Uh, it premiered at Cannes Film Festival. And Banderas won the award for Best Actor, which has me very interested. It also won for Best Soundtrack. Um, Alberto Iglesias won that. And I don't know much about this film. I've sort of avoided the premise and the plot. But those details have me very interested. I, I really I'm, – I'm excited to see a Spanish film, honestly. Um, this is Sony, I should yeah. say. And they're the ones who are going to be distributing it. And it already came out in Spain. People really liked it there. And it's made – like. I think it made like over $20 million in Spain. Penelope Cruz is also in this film. And I just, Antonio Banderas, he is the lead actor in my favorite movie of all time, The Mask of Zorro. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Antonio. I'm going to support him no matter what he does. I watched Life Itself because he was in it. If that tells you a well, little he was good bit, in it, at least. He, wa- he was fantastic in that movie. I don't care what anybody says. He has a great yeah, monologue. So I was good. No, I thought he was good. That's why I said that, I think, in my review. Like, he did. He's like, like the one part of the movie where it's like, wait, when did this become yeah. good? And then he like leaves. And it's like, wow. He has a speech <laughs> about olive oil that I just was riveted. So anyway, yeah. Pain and Glory, I've heard it's better than Life Itself. <laughs> and so I definitely really oh, want to see it. Um, other than yeah. that, though, uh, I don't know if you had any I'm thoughts. a big fan of... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Pedro Almovar. Uh as a filmmaker. I really enjoy his stuff. I love the look of his movies, uh, especially, you know, like even his weaker stuff, the sets always look fantastic. And the color that he puts in his movies, um, they're always visually striking at the very least. And um, I don't think he's been on a hot streak. I remember he, he had um, I'm So Excited, which was like one of the rare misfires for him. And then his last movie was pretty good, but it wasn't quite as memorable. I, I forget. I'm blanking on the title of You're it. You're talking about Julieta? Uh, I, I did see it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it, but um, it wasn't like a an A- film for him it was kind of more like b territory but uh yeah i'm excited for this i forgot it was coming out and uh that's a nice surprise so i'll look forward to that i want to see that i'm, I'm ashamed to say will that I, i've been aware of almodovar for a long time or mm-hmm. I, i've never seen one of his films and he has a lot of films really yeah i think yeah you should check them out yeah and they're very good usually I, i've been around his films for the longest time i know my mother is a big fan of a few of his films and yeah i, I don't know i never saw matador um, I never saw Bad Education, uh, The Skin I Live In. I, I I don't know. I just I've just never for whatever reason. I think Talk to Her. Um, that that's one that like I've always just like that was a film that like we had in my house and I just never watched it. Yeah. So I feel I feel very bad. You didn't see uh, you didn't see Volver. I didn't see Volver either. Um, mm, that's like one of his bigger ones. Yeah, that's so. the 2006 so one. You might have seen that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Penelope Cruz. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a film that I've seen like the the poster for. Um, cause that's, that's right. a Cannes Film Festival. Well, she was nominated, I think, for- She was. I think she was nominated for Best Actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was, uh, she was the first Spanish woman ever nominated to the Oscars. So that's a fun little yeah. fact there. And she won two years later, right? Oh, did she really? For, didn't she win for Vicky Cristina Barcelona? Was that two years later? 2008, right? Huh. Oh, I guess you're right. For some reason, I thought the movie came out, oh no, Midnight in Paris is the one that came out in like 2011. I had my, yeah, my wires right. crossed there. But anyway, that is Pain and Glory- I, I think that that could be a terrific film to check out early October. All right. Yeah. I'm excited. Another film we have here, October 15th, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. This is one of your morbidly curious films. What, what, what are we what are we looking at here? 
Oh man, going from Pedro Almovar to <laughs> Kevin Smith. Um, my apologies to Kevin Smith because I, I like him as a person. Um, he seems like a nice guy, and I usually hope for the best with him. But uh, this is a film that the trailer. I'm just gonna cut to the chase. It looks very bad. This movie, I don't have a lot of confidence in. Uh, the reason I'm morbidly curious is just because um, it's his return to the View Askew universe, and I think uh, there's some kind of comfort I get from that, like the idea that he's kind of returning to like this 90 phase of his life, which could seem detrimental and like regressive. But I feel like there's a chance for him to kind of have a, a sense of closure that he didn't quite find with Clerks Three, that because uh, for uh, Reasons outside of his control, he wasn't able to make that film, which I was pretty disappointed because, by because that was actually one of the ones of his that I was looking forward to. Um, but this is a, a chance, it seems, to uh, kind of say goodbye to View Scooverse. Um, I've heard that the movie ties up uh, some relationships with other movies, uh, including Dogma, Chasing Amy, and obviously Clerks. Um, so... I'm just curious about that. Like, I'm just curious. Uh, it also is a film that he's making after um, his major heart attack. And it sounds like there's like uh, a kind of finality to this film because I think he's kind of been health conscious of late. And it, it seems like that inspired uh, the film uh, as he was rewriting it and ultimately directing it. So um, for those reasons, I think just as a uh, a portrait of Kevin Smith in 2019, uh, kind of looking back while also looking forward, I'm curious to see what the film is going to to be like i said don't imagine it's going to be very good but just based on the number of cameos they got and uh everyone he has involved with the film uh as far as the cast is concerned uh i can't help but be curious yeah i i don't know much if at all about this film except that the tagline is we'd love to tell you a story that is of course weed spelled w-e-e-d you don't need don't don't explain it don't yeah i just it's an audio format so i got to make sure people yeah (laughs) yeah just move on Jan Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't know if I'm actually going to get to this one. Um, that's but again, fair. that comes out October 15th. And then that's it for all of the September and October films. The last two films we have here are both November films. Uh, this next one is Terminator Dark Fate. This is your this is your final morbidly curious about film. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised this hit this one instead of Dark Horse. I was considering this one for my Dark Horse. Uh, but why, how did it? Me too. How, did, how did it end up here? Um... The the main reason why I consider it a morbidly curious film as opposed to a dark horse is that I just get the sneaking sense that it's probably going to be bad. Uh, the trailers haven't been very good. Um, and what I'm seeing from the trailer is another indication that kind of similar to all the Terminator sequels outside of T2, it just seems like they're kind of going in the direction that the sequels to Terminator shouldn't, which is like a lot of like, uh, you know, big explosions and like all this kind of like unrealistic uh, special effects and uh, action pieces that are very like green screen heavy and stuff like that. And I think what made the, um, I mean, obviously, you know, T2 had a lot of state of the art special effects, but I feel like what made those first two films really work is the grounded, uh, almost pseudo realism of it in the way that like, you know, it, they're very kind of uh, um, there's a, there's a good humanity to those films in addition to the, you know, the sci-fi tech that's going on. And I feel like that's something that's been lost in the um, other Terminator sequels. And I think that's why they haven't really been good. But this is the film. I mean, I know when it, the premiere footage of CinemaCon, it got like an uproarious response. Uh, obviously, James Cameron is involved and that inspires some confidence as well as uh, obviously Arnold's back, yeah. which is fun. But we have uh, Linda Hamilton again, who I believe is her first film in the series since uh, T2. That's true. 
So there's a lot writing. Yeah. So there's a lot writing on it. It's their fourth attempt to make T3. And, um, <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I, yeah. And it's like, you know, similar to Zombieland 2, this is like my, my final straw. I think, like, if they can't get this one to work, I'm, I'm done. I think, I mean, I'll probably end up seeing whatever Terminator movies they make next. Their fifth attempt at T3. <laughs> um, but I just, I mean, I don't know. I, I, what I'm seeing doesn't inspire confidence. And I I don't see it being anything more than yet another kind of disposable Terminator movie. But uh, in addition to the cast members I listed, it also has uh, Mackenzie Davis, who we've talked about and celebrated many times. One of times my favorite actors on the pod- by far. Yeah, mine too. I think she's she's great. I mean, we can talk about all the films that she's done. Uh, Tully, Blade Runner 2049. I haven't seen Halt and Catch Fire, but I've heard it's a great show. Another AMC show. Um, yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. That's only like a, a few of the titles. I know she's also on Black Mirror in a very well-celebrated episode. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for her, for Linda Hamilton, for uh, James Cameron, and for the series Terminator. Uh, I want it to be good. And I didn't even mention that it's directed by Tim Miller, who is uh, obviously the guy behind the Deadpool movie, the first one, not the sequel. The one that I like more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the one I, I prefer of the two. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping, like for everyone involved, I think, I just want it to be good. But my seeking uh, intuition is that it's probably going to suck, unfortunately, uh, and that would be a bummer. But, um, you know, it's coming out hopefully November 1st, so uh, we'll find out then whether it lives up to the legacy or it's yet another flop. Yeah, I, I you've said a lot of what I'm feeling, especially when it comes to yeah, Tim Miller, James Cameron. There, there are reasons to be excited. There's some reasons to be a little nervous. Uh, David Goyer had a hand in this film as screenwriter okay. who, sure – and um mm-hmm. he he hasn't really written a good film i think since the dark knight films which he didn't really write by himself yeah. but this is the guy who did yeah. man of steel and Batman v superman dawn of justice uh-huh. i know i, I, like I know yeah. we have to we have to get that out mm-hmm. or else uh, we're, you're contractually obligated i think uh, yeah. to mention <laughs> but recently i mean uh, tau where was anybody sort of uh interested in that film um he, what is it? Oh, well i guess he was just a producer on tau but uh was it? Yeah. Tau? Tau, the the Netflix film. See, there you go. Nobody watched it. I don't know if I... <laughs> it, it wasn't very okay. good. I don't know that uh, one. The la- but the last film... Actually, the last one that he wrote was Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah. like, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, uh, mm. The Unborn. Um, Oof, he directed that. Yeah. Uh, and also Jumper, which I like, but... Mm. Yeah, you like that jump. I like jump. That's your Man of Steel. That's my Man of Steel. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Blade Trinity, he also directed a few other things I'm forgetting. Um, but I just – this is a tough one. This is a tough one. He's he's written good films, but yeah. didn't, not lately. Um, didn't Billy Ray also have a hand yeah. in writing this film? And we've talked – we talked a lot about him. He's made a lot of great films. Uh, he also wrote Overlord uh, last year and a couple other films like Breach and State of Play and – a lot of uh, really solid films that I'm blanking Captain on right Phillips, now. Captain Phillips. Uh, like, and then another film we're going to talk uh, about, it, yeah. uh, Gemini Man, in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunger Games, yeah. yeah. I, I I think, oh, and uh, Volcano, one of my favorite disaster films from the 90s. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's a, That is a delightfully oh, okay. bad film, though. Um, mm. But yeah. Uh, the pushback on that, but that's a whole <laughs> other discussion. Yeah, Terminator Fate is such a, it, it's another question mark. I, I have no idea how, the, I am, I'm morbidly curious about it. It's a dark horse. It's all the things. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. It's like, it's such a question mark again. I guess you could say like the Joker, but this one, I just feel like 
it has less chances, I think, of end up good. But again, like just because everyone involved, well, not everyone, but a lot of the people involved are people I like and support and want to support. I, I, I want it to be good, but I just can't help but worry that it's uh, probably going to be bad. But hopefully it's a surprise. And it's a, you know, an amazing movie that lives up to T1, T2. Agreed. So that's Terminator Dark Fate comes out November 1st. And then the last one we have that I'm morbidly curious about, and some people will be surprised about this. I think people are genuinely really looking forward to this film, and I think for good reasons. Knives Out. Knives Out is a the newest film from Ryan Johnson, uh, who did, of course, his last film, of course, was The Last Jedi. And before that, he did Looper. He also did Brick, which is a film I haven't seen, um, but I've That's heard good. it's very good, yeah. So this movie, though, I think people are really looking forward to it. I've seen the trailer. I don't, I don't get it. Like, Oh, you don't like the trailer either? I just, it's not that I don't like it. It's just, it has no effect on me. It just feels like Murder in the Orient Express right. again. Like, uh, that's how I felt too. I was afraid I was the only person that felt that way. Oh, boy. We've been spending too much time together because people are going nuts about this movie. Uh, and I think because they really like Chris Evans, whole shtick in it, I guess. I, it's a great cast. It, yeah. It, it is, I guess. But there's also Daniel Craig doing the Logan Lucky thing where he doesn't look Southern. Mm. So why is he talking so American? Uh, it just doesn't. I, I, I hate to be – this probably sounds kind of insensitive, but it's just he looks so British. <laughs> like I don't know if that's going to come across the wrong way, but he just doesn't look like the voice. You don't think they'll, you don't think they'll play into the film though? I don't know. Maybe. I Is it – Like like he's the – it seems like he's like the outsider. Yeah, though, he is. Right? He's, but, well, he's the uh, you know the Perot character or whatever, the, the detective who has right. to solve the whole thing. So – that's why I thought, yeah. That's why, that's why I excuse it. I, I think I'm more forgiving of that than Chris Evans, who I, I don't know. It just seems like he's kind of playing the kind of swarmy guys that he kind of got out of after he became Captain America. Yeah. I feel like, like I, I feel like he kind of like moved past these type of parts. I, I have no issue but. with him going back to that. Well, I, I have no issue with this cast in general. I mean, it's a fantastic cast: Christopher Plummer, Lakeith Stanfield, Michael Shannon, yeah. Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis. Anna De Armas. Really great performer is Catherine Langford. I just I don't I'm not interested in a whodunit murder mystery. I mean I even with Murder in the Orient Express, I mean I think I almost fell asleep during that movie. I did fall asleep during that movie. I just th- there's something about this like gimmick that. that I don't you like that movie, Murder in the Orient Express? Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed it. For some reason I thought you're talking about the more I'm sorry I need to explain myself. I I, <laughs> I like the we film. Talk, did we talk about the film on Cinemaholics? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We talked about the same episode as Lady Bird with uh, special guest Kristen right. Lopez. You're right. Okay, now I remember. I just, I just remember not being. I don't like. I don't like that movie. I'm. So- it's not an amazing movie. No, I, I just thought it was fun. Yeah. You know, all right. sometimes I like to have fun. Okay, sometimes, <laughs> not all the time. But that's yeah, that's a quote from Red Letter Media. That's that's but, that's yeah. knives out. I don't know. It could be really good. I'm just not interested yet, and I hope that changes. I I want to like it. I like Ryan Johnson, so I I don't have much else to say beyond yeah. that. No, I agree. Yeah, I think um, for me, I'm excited because I, I don't know if many people agree with this or not, but I feel like Ryan Johnson gets better with each film. Like I thought um, Brothers Bloom was an improvement over Brick. Subsequently, I thought Looper was an improvement over Brothers Bloom. And then I obviously really enjoyed uh, Last Jedi. So if the leapfrog trend continues, this will be his best and brightest film in my view. But yeah, the trailer hasn't won me over as much as I hoped. 
Uh, I'm just hoping again that they maybe are saving some of the good stuff for the film, and you know maybe it's just Lionsgate. Lionsgate is not really uh, promoting the film as strong as possible, but you know you can't ignore the cast. You can't ignore how talented Ryan Johnson is, especially because he got to use his clout from Last Jedi, uh, much to some people's dismay, I suppose, to make this you know this passion project of his. So I'm hoping that comes out and becomes something pretty great. But yeah, similar to you, I'm not I'm not wowed yet, unfortunately. All right. Those are the films we're morbidly curious about. Also, some films that we put down here. Well, again, let's just try to get through this because uh, we, we were totally yeah. out of time. But um, these are films that. Yeah. How do we? Uh, how do we spend more time with just the two of us than we did when we? It's like three or four. Of I have us. no idea. It's it's fantastic. But yeah, yeah. So these are the films that might surprise us, uh, box office wise or critically, and we're really just sort of rounding out some films we haven't even mentioned yet. But there's. Uh, coming out September 9th, The Two Popes. This is the Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins film that is, I believe, coming out on Netflix. Do for Netflix. the price you want. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be also <laughs> premiering in, in one of the festivals pretty soon. And you have on September 20th, Between the between Two Ferns, the movie. This is the Zach Galifianakis yes. thing? Yes. Um, it's going to be Scott Ackerman's directorial debut okay. as well. Um, I'm a big fan of Between Two Ferns. I've enjoyed them even before they were popular, uh, dating back to the Michael Sarah and Conan and Natalie Portman episodes. Uh, so I've been following the web series for a long time, and I don't know how it's going to work in long form as a movie, but I, I want it to be a great surprise. It's on Netflix, so it won't cost me anything to watch it. So that's why I have it in this category. Okay. That works out, because I picked a Netflix movie, you picked a Netflix movie, and yeah, I, I guess it could, if it's like Mike Wallace is here, but between two friends, I think that'd be amazing. But, um, oh, that'd be yeah. fun. I think it's actually going to be like a narrative though. So I don't know how it's going to work yeah. out. Uh, you have a film here. I don't know much about Judy. This comes out September 27th. And uh, you think this will surprise us? Mm, yeah. It's a trailer that every time I see in theaters, I'm like, this is interesting. I don't, I don't exactly know where I'm going to land on it. It's a Judy Garland biopic with uh, Renee Zellweger. Uh, it looks visually very stunning. Um, the tr- like the cinematography and the period details look very great. But there's a lot of like cammy, clunky stuff in the trailer that, uh, you know, seems kind of a uh, TV movie-ish. Like they have the shot of her walking in slow motion while pill bottles fall behind her. And it's like, uh, eh, not really being subtle there. Yeah. Um, what was that? I was just agreeing with you. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I, I have a surprise because I could see this being, you know, an unsuspecting uh, return to form for Renee Zellweger and potentially a solid Oscar contender. But I don't know. I have a feeling this is just going to be one of those okay uh, Oscar buzzy movies that just kind of falls up the cracks and people forget about it after a year. Yeah, I, I, again, I this is weirdly, I haven't seen this trailer. Like, it hasn't shown up anywhere, but it's on my radar. Uh, Jesse Buckley is in it, who, you know, I, I am just the biggest fan of these days. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see it. Wild and Dro- if, or what was it? Wild Rose. Wild Rose, yeah. And I, I'm, yeah. In, you know, I'm not. I, I don't know much about the director, Rupert Gold, here, but I, I do. I, I have heard good things about the book. This is based on End of the Rainbow by Peter Quilter. Okay. So uh, it's a story that I want told. I'm not sure Renee Zellweger is the person to tell the story, but I hope I'm wrong about that. So I, I hope that. Uh, I hope that she is. That's Judy comes yeah. out September 27th, and then. We have on October fifteenth, or sorry, October eleventh, we have Gemini Man. This is your this is your last film mm. that might surprise us, box office wise yeah. or critically. Gemini Man is the Will Smith film with Clive Owen and, mm-hmm. and I Mary Elizabeth Weinstein. Yeah, I I honestly I had this as a dark horse and I took it off mm. because you were going to talk about yeah. it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Gemini Man, not a film that I think is probably going to be good, but I still want to watch it for some reason. I think I mean I want to support it because I mean for one it's a new Ang Lee film. 
who, while I, I don't think uh, his last film, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, was uh, what it could have been. It, right. Uh, you know, it, it, it's still Ang Lee, and I think... It's another Billy... I'm not a big fan of this digital... It's another Billy Ray film? Just want to yeah. keep that in. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, not a big fan of, like, this... I don't know if it's, like, a 6FP camera or something. Whatever the whatever type of camera they use to film, it makes it look way cheaper than I have to assume it actually is. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that, but, uh, the, as far as the technology to make Will Smith look 20 years younger, uh, it looks great. Like, I mean, uh, I would say even though, um, the Irishman looks like a way better film overall, I would say the de-aging technology for Gemini Man looks a lot stronger in that regard. Um, and you know, I mean, it's a original big budget, high concept movie. uh, And, you know, I get excited whenever I see a sci-fi original film, not based on IP. Uh, that that's always worth celebrating, and you always hope those are good. But yeah, the trailers just aren't doing it for me. I'm hoping. I mean, I'm hoping it's good, but I'm worried that it's going to be another Ang Lee flop. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, that's why I have it as a hopeful surprise. Yeah, yeah, same page. Uh, I think we're on the same page with that. I I know that. I I wish some part of me wishes. Uh, we we, we could have had maybe. Uh, maybe this not be like a fall release. Like this to me feels like a spring release or like a very, very early summer, but yeah, based mm-hmm. on what you said, yeah, the trailers having, well, it's on me and yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, and, uh, David Benioff co-wrote this and I'm still a little sore from how all the game of Thrones stuff turned out. So I'm not looking forward to that discourse. Okay. So that's going to be fun. Sure. Yeah. That's Gemini man comes out October 11th. Could surprise us. Uh, I have, I have a feeling it could make some money, you know, maybe not be the biggest hit, but you know, be a midsize hit. I mean, yeah, it's Will Smith. He made Bright a hit, yeah. and he made Aladdin a hit. That's true. So maybe. Uh, yeah, twice in one year would be great for him. All right, coming out October 15th. Well, Bright wasn't this year. I, well, I was talking about Aladdin. So I'm saying oh, a Gemini yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, I, I get yeah. I could, yeah, I get So October 15th, uh, you alluded to this earlier, but Charlie's Angels. Uh, this is the one where Kristen Stewart and Naomi Scott, speaking of Aladdin, are in this film. And... I don't remember much about the original Charlie's Angels, not the show, but the uh, the movie with like Drew Barrymore and all them and Cameron Diaz. Oh, the and, McGee ones. Yeah, the McGee films. Um, I they're uh, very male gazy. That's the main thing I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that there's uh, a, a lot of uh, shots of women scantily clad mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. That's the main thing I remember uh, from the films. I can't see you know looking at this film. Uh, the trailer that came out. I can't say that it looks like the best film. I have a feeling it's it's not going to have a lot of legs at the box office, but I do think it might surprise us. A because Elizabeth Banks is directing and producing and writing the film. Uh, yeah. Um. So she has a lo- a, a pretty strong hand in this entire film. She's also stars in it. Um. Yeah. As I mentioned, Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, but then also the, I think I think the third person is the one who I wonder if she's going to be the breakout hit. This is a British ac- actress named Ella Belinska, who I, I don't know. I've probably seen her in other things, but if so, mm, I think I'm not sure. This is her introduction. I think, I think it's her introduction. To film? I think. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think she's mostly done like British TV shows, but I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure either, but uh, yeah, if she has been in some other films, I'm not aware of them, but uh, she, she just in this trailer for somehow she is like, making me far more curious and interested than Kristen Stewart, who I think is one of our best actresses. So I'm very, I'm very interested in this one. I, I'm not sure about Patrick Stewart as Charlie. There's something about that that just makes me think, mm, no. You think it'll be better than Bill Murray though? I'm not going to answer that question. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Noah Centineo is also in this film. Always good to see him. Sam Claflin. I need to see him in a film to sort of like cleanse my palate of his performance in Nightingale. Not that it's bad, but because I'm still scarred from it. 
And Jaiman Hansu. Sure, that makes sense. Oh, it's good to see him. So, I don't know. This is... Oh, see that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he's in the film. So, look... He's in a lot of things, though. He, he plays... Uh, well, he plays one of the Bosleys. There's there's multiple Bosleys. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Because isn't Elizabeth Banks one of the Bosleys, right? She is. She's Susan Bosley, I yeah. think, right? And uh, I think... Uh, I don't yeah, know. I think Jaiman Hansu is one of the other ones. And then Patrick Stewart is supposed to be hmm. the, the Bosley, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I, I'm glad that they um, have a woman filmmaker kind of because, like I said, I think uh, the male gazy thing in the last movies was kind of off-putting, especially nowadays. And, um, you know, it, I think it was the right choice to make this a very women-driven film. But Elizabeth Banks, I just don't think she's proven as a filmmaker. Like, she made Pitch Perfect 2, which is just, in my opinion, that was a terrible movie. Even worse than the la- the first one. And then she also did a segment in Movie 43, uh, hold, hold which on. is pretty hold bad. Hold on, hold on. First Pitch Perfect is a good movie. It just is. It's good. The first, the first yeah. one or the, the second. The first one? Pitch Perfect. It's good. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have the first one. The second you one's said, bad. You like, said I, I even worse than the first. Come on, come on. Well, it's. I mean, I, I, do you disagree that it is worse than the first movie? I, it's, just, it's just the phrasing. It's not that it's. It's not as good. That's what I would say. Okay, sure, fair enough. I I don't like either of them, but I think Pitch Perfect Two is just an outright bad film. I don't think it's well made, and that's why I'm concerned. Uh, for. Uh, Charlie's Angels, but I really like the the lead cast, and I like the supporting characters as well. So I'm hoping for it. Um, but yeah, it's a good choice for the uh, the hopeful surprise option. That brings us to Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, our final film. More Maleficent than ever. October. This is an October 18th film, and again, this is this is a this is a big question mark just because this is the first live action remake to have a sequel can't really count alice mm. through the looking glass because it wasn't really a remake like to. alice in wonderland was <laughs> already a sequel to the animated film more or less right yeah. yeah i have a feeling though this one is probably going to be in that same level in terms of box office i hope it's better but the first maleficent is a movie i like i really like that soundtrack i like the the take on the character i think and Angelina Jolie just carries the entire thing, makes it work just because she is just the the charisma rises above the script of that movie. I'll put it that way. You know, that film, That's that film fair. goes in some directions that are just out there. Um, a little hard to stomach. It's yeah. not a film that I ever want to see again. I've only seen it once. Mm. That said, Mistress of Evil, this is from Joaquin Ronning. You may remember he he did a film called Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Co-directed it with Esmond Sandberg, and oh, it's just the one guy. Yeah, one? yeah, he's not co-directing this one. Okay, these are uh, the con. The, they made the movie Con Tiki, right? Um, th- that's the uh, yeah, Con Tiki. That yeah, that that was like a good film, right? Because it, it won a bunch of awards. Yeah, it was it was right. It was up for I think best foreign film. It was like a, a movie about somebody on a boat. Yeah, I think it's I about well, it's it, about but... the Con Tiki expedition, but yeah, I'd... yeah, but it involved a lot of sea stuff. So I think that's why Disney was like they'd be good for right, pirates. right. He also worked on um, Marco Polo though, yeah. which for some reason I thought that's what you were referring oh, to. The show, the show, no. um, did a couple of episodes, and that's a show that not I not the underwater game. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Marco Polo is a show that I, I actually really liked. I only saw the first season, but uh, it was actually really solid. Um, it was actually my introduction to Benedict Wong, I think. But Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Angelina Jolie's producer. I think uh, it's got a lot of screenwriters attached to here. Linda Wolverton, Noah Harpster, Micah Fitzerman Blue. And a lot of the original cast is returning. Elle Fanning, awesome. Chiwetel Ejiofor, great. 
Ed Screen, Juno Temple, Leslie Manville, Michelle Pfeiffer. It, it's a big cast. My yeah. thing is, is the story going to get people to come out? Are people really going to want to see more Maleficent? Isn't the story of this over? Probably not. Like, I just, I don't get what the hook is. Like, why yeah. should we watch this movie? We already have the first Maleficent. I don't, I don't get why we're supposed to care about a sequel. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think my main concern with the first movie is that it just felt kind of confused. I, I felt like it was like, I get what it was trying to do as, as far as, as like trying to be like a big female empowerment film from what I can recall. I don't remember it too well, but it was also like acknowledging that the character was evil and like it, she's a villain and the title of this movie is like Mistress of Evil, but she's like the, the, the protagonist. And it, it, it's like an interesting right. concept. Yeah, I think she's evil it just, again. It, right. So it's like, I don't know. It just seems, I don't know, just the movies themselves, like from a thematic standpoint, they seem just kind of totally kind of confused, which I, I think is probably their biggest detriment. But I, I agree with you that I, I think probably the main reason they're, they've been made is because there's no denying that Angelina Jolie is a great choice for Maleficent. And I think, you know, she just looks apart. I think she really has a lot of fun in it. It's great to see her acting because she's been uh, mostly directing the past couple of years. So, um, you know, it's nice to see her on screen again. But um, at the same time, we also have Eternals, I think she's yeah. in the Marvel. Comes thing. out next fall. Coming out. So, right. So if this doesn't work out, you know, there's Eternals, I guess. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really excited by the prospect of more, you know, live action remake sequels. Um so I don't know if I'm really rooting for this movie to be a hit, but it's not like I really want it to be a flop. I'm just kind of letting it by its time and seeing what happens. Right. The, this film, it's being made because, well, Maleficent made $758 million at the box office in 2014. And this one is poised to make maybe half that, two thirds that. Who knows? Who knows? I just, I just don't see yeah. it being a bigger hit. And I'm especially a little concerned because that first film... This, that first film, the screenplay was had one screenwriter. That was Linda Wolverton. Now it has three, and I just it just it just I have concerns. I'll put it that way um, about the the production is, in general uh, and so forth. Is the original screenwriter coming back for this film, or is it three totally different screenwriters? Uh, she's one of the screenwriters coming back. Yeah, Linda okay. Wolverton is, and she did the story. Okay. So again, we we really just don't know. But that that is another film that I think will probably surprise us with how much money it doesn't make. I think people are really banking on this one to be a big hit. And I think we're going to be surprised in sort of a negative way, to be honest. It'll probably be the Nutcracker this year. Maybe, maybe. The, probably the, a little bit better. The, the fourth quarter, maybe. But yeah, I just mean like the fourth quarter Disney flop, mm. like the one they put a lot of money in and it just, they end up surprised that there's no real interest in it just because it's a Disney film. Yeah. Especially because the budget of this so, is probably going to be ex- exorbitantly high. I remember the first Maleficent was like a success, but barely because like it looks expensive. It was very expensive. It cost like oh man, I think like two hundred million dollars or something like that. It was really bad. But regardless, the first one, the first one, yeah. This one, I don't know. Yeah, because they like reshot half of it. I think. Yeah, they did, like, and it, they, was, it was a kind of messy production. And Angelina Jolie, she's not cheap. She demands a high salary, nope. and she deserves it. So yeah, I was gonna say she deserves it. She's a legit star. All right. Well, those are the films that we think might surprise us. Uh, and then some films that I've already seen. Just want to point out, Don't Let Go. This is the Chiwetelogy of Four film with Storm Reed. I won't. Uh, <laughs> it was originally called Relive. And uh, I wrote a review for it already. And they apparently changed this one up. I've actually gotten emails from the PR people about it who are like, "This it's different now. So I don't want to pass any judgment because apparently they fixed some of the mistakes that this this film was. I really did not care for this one. This is the film that I cared for the least at Sundance. And I was going to say, yeah, it was... The one near like this is like the bad film of Sundance. Right. And so I think they they probably heard a lot of yeah. the same complaints and, and made some tweaks, hopefully for the better. 
Uh, one of my favorite films of the year comes out soon, The Report. Um, I think that's going to be hitting a few festivals. Oh, yeah, this looks good. Yeah, Adam Driver, Annette Benning. This one, I uh, can't wait for you to see that as well. I could see us doing a whole episode about it. And then I already mentioned The Death of Dick Long. And recently I mentioned Honey Boy, the Shia LaBeouf film. I talked about that a, a week or two ago. Almost on my list. Yeah, great film. Yeah, almost on my list. Uh, an- another film that I really like this year that uh, I'm looking forward to a conversation about. Uh, just such a personal film for Shia LaBeouf. Um, probably a, a perfect double feature with Peanut Butter Falcon, I would say. So, assuming that film. Yeah, is, I mean, you know. he... Uh, uh-huh. Well, I mean, I think... Uh, don't they have, like, an arrest scene with uh, Lucas yeah. Edges? That's, like, a recreation of the uh, arrest they had Yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned that last Falcon. week. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah. They're connected. I wonder if there's going to be some... Is there some connections to Peanut Butter Falcon in the movie since you've seen it? Uh, well, I haven't seen Peanut Butter Falcon. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Why? Well, there's no references to it or anything know. like that? You I have to watch the movie. That? Okay. Okay, I have no enough. clue. I, I know what you're saying because you you're talking about how that film is supposed to like refer like Peanut Butter Falcon was like he basically wrote that before Honey Boy, right? Or like in response to some of that stuff. Well, he yeah he got he had the the public drunken incident. Yeah. He uh, kind of came back the week after, and the star um, of Peanut Butter Falcon, his co-star, I mean Zach, like he was very much a straight shooter. Like, why are you doing this? And they had like a heart to heart. And that's, from what I can tell, what inspired him yeah. to finally go into rehab. And when he was in rehab, he wrote Honey that's Boy. Right. Okay. So that's the story. Again, two weeks in a row. So listeners better get it at this point, especially me. We'll get it a third time <laughs> when we review Honey that's Boy. That's right. Um, all right. There are a bunch of films we did not mention. We didn't get to. There's The King, which actually just comes out like next week, uh, September 2nd. This is a Timothy Chalamet film. It's going to be dropping on Netflix. Uh, it's about Henry V. Uh, I haven't seen the trailer. I think some people are interested in it. I, I'm definitely going to watch it, but it's not high up on my radar. I like the director. Um, and then also we have on September 13th, two films, Manos, which I believe is a neon film, and The Sound of Silence, which is Hands a of Sundance Fate. film. Say again? Manos, Hand of Fate. Manos, Hand of Fate. It's just called Manos. Hey, uh, uh, oh, I think I'm Manos. Oh, yeah. Not Manos. Hands of Fate. Hands. Yeah, not mano y mano. Hands, Hands of Fate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. One of the like the most notoriously bad films ever made. I've never seen it. No, it's a uh, it's something. There's also Rambo: Last Blood. Uh, that's September twentieth. I'm not sure. If we're I, I don't know. Rambo? Are you uh, are you in Rambo still? I'm pretty uh, over. It. Am I personally? The last, the last Rambo was a good finisher. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I guess he fell emboldened with the Creed movies to wrap up his other characters. Maybe. Um, I fu- I find it very hilarious. That he chose to play a gritty version of Old Time Road, or sorry, Old Town Road, uh, in the trailer, it's which is weird. It, it provides me no no shortage of amusement. <laughs> um, a week later, we have Abominable, which is a new DreamWorks animated film. Yeah, we also mentioned that bad. last week. This, this is, it looks pretty bad. Yeah, it looks like a mm-hmm. mix of like three Pixar movies, like they're trying to do. Um, yeah, and How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Oh, so much How to Train Your Dragon vibes. And then, so yeah, so th- those are all the September films. Um, some of the ones we didn't get to that are October include Jexy, which is like, uh, I don't, Oof. you think this looks pretty bad? It's a CBS films dude uh, from workaholics. Yeah, you see this I haven't seen the trailer. No, I've been avoiding oh, trailers lately. It's a bad yeah. trailer. Huh. Yeah, this is a terrible trailer. It's, it's the guys that wrote, uh, wrote and directed, um, bad moms. Yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of other yeah. stuff. That's not good. <laughs> well, they wrote the first hangover, which is like their one good script mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've been kind of coasting on that for, uh, now 10 years. Well, there's also so. that. Those are. We also have another October film uh, on October 25th, Black and Blue. This is uh, the one. I forget the actress, uh, but yeah, she's like a cop, and there's like corrupt cops in LA. I just saw the trailer for the uh, first time. Naomi Harris. Yes, thank you. She's from uh, Moonlight. 
mm-hmm. among other yeah. things. Um, yeah, but that's definitely like I think where I first like really came to see her talent uh, was in Moonlight. Um, but yeah, Black and Blue looks kind of interesting. I kind of, I, re- I want to see it. I think the trailer is very uh, uh, v- makes it definitely look worth a while. Um, it has Frank Grillo, I think, uh, this... from uh, Captain America. Okay, yeah. In the Purge movies. Yeah. Um, this is the trailer I haven't seen, so I don't know how... <laughs> so the one trailer I've seen that you haven't. Um, I, I just... Yeah, for some reason, I just... Tr- people have been like, the new trailer's out, and I've just been like, yeah, I'll see it if it's in the theater. I've I just been a little bit less that's, proactive, I guess. Yeah, that's healthier, and I think probably better in the long run. Yeah, I just, I'm just sick of going to the movies and being like, eh, I've seen this trailer. I, I kind of like being surprised now. It's kind of nice. I like or just missing too. it completely. That's yeah. that's fine. Um, there's also Motherless yeah. Brooklyn. This is the new film directed by Edward Norton. He hasn't directed a film in a while. I think this is only a second one. Um, yeah, this uh, the first one was playing or what was it? Keeping the faith. Yeah, not playing with fire. Playing with fire is uh, November eighth. Yeah, John Cena and Keegan Michael Key and a bunch of other actors. That that's like the firefighter family film. You said there weren't enough family films, mm-hmm. so there you go. Well, you we got Abominable and you got Playing with yeah. Fire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's gonna be the, the top ten breaker that Disney's worried about. Uh, two other two other films hitting uh, limited release November first. Harriet. Uh, this is the Harriet Tubman biopic starring Cynthia Erivo, oh, yeah. which I have a feeling will probably be a big Oscar contender. There's also Waves, which is a new A24 film. I don't know much about it, but uh, the cast is intriguing. And oh, uh, is this the one for the director of It Comes at yes, Night? Yes, yes. Uh, Trey Edward Schultz. Yeah. It's a musical. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Not to be confused with Dark Waters, um, which kind of looks like a, not like the most interesting film in the world. Um, it comes out November 22nd. Mark Ruffalo is in it and like Anne Hathaway. And it's an interesting cast, but like I read the, the synopsis real quick and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I wasn't that, I wasn't su- thoroughly impressed. Two water movies for Anne Hathaway. That's right. Beginning and ending the year. <laughs> um, do, do you hear anything about the uh, the Lodge? This one premiered at Sundance. I actually was oh. supposed to see it, and I mm-hmm. missed my uh, my screening. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of great buzz from Sundance. I saw a trailer, dug it. And then uh, after that, I've been hearing kind of more mixed and negative things. So I'm a little concerned about that. As it happens. But it's the filmmakers... always happens that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's always how it goes. But uh, Or usually how it goes. I don't want to s- assume every movie it's like that. But uh, it's the directors of Goodbye Mommy, right? I believe so. I hope I'm not confusing it with Wounds, though, because that was the other one from Sundance. No, Wounds was a different director. That was the one that did Under the Shadows, I think. Okay, then you should be right. Yeah, I believe that's I'm getting the two correct. But um, yeah, this one, it, it looks interesting. I'm digging the vibe of it, but uh, the more negative responses are kind of making me worried now. Yeah, I, I still want to see it, though, and uh, I'm, I'm super bummed that I missed it. Uh, I was, it was one of the midnight screenings, and I was too tired. Uh, how, how embarrassing is that? Mm. I was too tired. I needed a nap. Jeez. Too tired to go to lunch. <laughs> um, on November 5th, we're getting The Good Liar. Um, it's another one we didn't really talk about. Uh, I, I don't even know what that I, is. I just looked at it because I had never heard of it and I already forgot everything about it. So apologies. Mm-hmm. I, I, all these movies are starting to blend together. I'm starting to get tired. Uh, there's Ford versus Ferrari, November 15th. Th- this is the other like kind of Oscar one. And yeah, I, I just... James Bancold. It's not that I'm not excited. It, you know, it, it, it's not a film. Obviously, it's Christian Bale. It's James Mangold. It's Matt Damon. It's John Bernthal. I mean, this this look has oh, your favorite. It has the makings of I know, right? It has the makings of a film that will be talked about by a lot of people, and it's going to be probably very interesting. But I'm I'm patient. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it when it comes out. I, I'm just I'm not I'm not losing my mind over it. I guess. 
Yeah, it looks fine. I almost had it in my, um, I think my curious file or whatever the one was, the surprise file. Uh, and then I was like, I'm not expecting that much of a surprise either way. It's probably going to be good, but not a box office hit. Maybe get like two Oscar noms. Yeah. That's, that's a day. It's also how I feel about 21 Bridges. This is the 20, this is a uh, November 22nd. Oh. Um, Chadwick Boseman's, I guess it's the only film I think we've seen him in since Black Panther. Um, that uh, at I've least seen. in a lead role. Yeah. Maybe didn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he did some supporting work. Uh, like, well, I mean, obviously he was in um, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far uh, as I know, other than that, yeah. yeah. But and that and that's basically yeah. it. There, there are plenty of other films we didn't get to. Believe it or not, um, I think one that you yeah. you almost you almost wanted to talk about was Queen and Slim. Um, just barely. Yeah, didn't it looks make good. The cut greener grass, uh, Arctic dogs. <laughs> There's a oh, Nicolas Cage bad. movie called um, The Last Full Measure. Oh, yeah. Oh. Huh. Uh, where's my Ro- Roy well, Cohn a documentary from Sundance I really I missed but wanted to see hmm. uh, I feel like there's another one we missed that's pretty prominent but I don't know what it is so I'm sure there's we'll find plenty. out later yeah the listeners will let us know this has been a supersized preview I don't know how it happened um, but that oh, just tells uh, you how interesting the, the goldfinch fall, the, oh yes the goldfinch we didn't talk about that one because I think you originally had it in one of your categories and you took it out Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Goldfinch. Yeah, I'm curious about it. It's yeah. the director of uh, Brooklyn. That's right. Brooklyn is a movie I really like, and Ansel Elgort mm-hmm. is an actor I really like. Uh, he was in one of my favorite. He was in my uh, favorite film in 2017. I know, but I love Baby Driver more than most people. And the Goldfinch, based on a book that's really long, and a movie that uh, is probably going to cut a lot out. So I don't know if book fans are going to be happy with it. But it does look like the sort of film that could have some Oscar conversation, best adapted screenplay, that sort of thing, if not more awards considered also hustlers kind of sad you didn't bring that yeah. one up i almost had it on my list i think i put it on and took it off i'm curious about this film it's the uh what's her name the director of seeking a friend for the end of the world um oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, f- I forgot her uh, name too which i think that's a movie you like right yeah yeah that's good I saw it yeah, once like won't see I it like again it. i saw it twice i enjoyed it both times yeah i i'm interested in hustlers mainly because of jennifer lopez constance Wu, cardi b and lizzo mm-hmm. That that those are just four names when you when you see them on the poster. Is it Kiki? Ugh, perfect. Palmer in it too. Is Kiki Palmer in it? Ugh, it's just this day just keeps getting I better so. and better. I, I honestly, I, I maybe I know um, Matt Adam McK- I, I, a, It's a big cast. Yeah, uh, Adam McKay yeah. produced it, so put that out there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's based on a true story. It's like a big uh, New York Times article, I believe. Yeah. So I'm curious about it. I want to see it. But yeah, so so we 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 covered a lot. Um, we, we really went pretty far on this. Uh, is there anything left? Is there anything else before we finish this out? Um, uh, I feel like there was a Netflix film of some note that I'm forgetting about. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's anything else that, uh, I'm remembering off the top of my head. So, uh, I'm sure I'll forget or I'll, I'll remember it later and then I'll kick myself. But for now, it seems about everything. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Cinema Hawks. Probably our oh. longest yet. I just remembered it's Marriage Story. Oh, what is that? Uh, the Noah Baumbach movie with the uh, Adam Driver. Oh, it has a name and, now. And um, yeah, it's uh, Noah Baumbach and Scarlett Johansson. It's like an autobiographical um, look at his his marriage to uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, is that not a December so, film? Uh, is it December? I thought it was November. Well, I was thinking that it was coming out on the same time as Little Women, but that just might be my mistake. Let me look up the release date while you finish up the episode. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So that, that'll do it for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. And uh, yeah, probably our longest episode yet, but we definitely covered uh, a lot. Um, and it was good. It's uh, Yeah. It, well, theatrically, it's coming out November 6th. 
uh, oh, okay. streaming wise coming out December 6th. So uh, kind of in the okay, middle okay, there. All right. But hey, that still counts. Um, yeah, I'm surprised because I looked at the, the list of Netflix original films. Sometimes they just don't make it on there or sometimes because of the way it works, like what counts as original isn't, you know what I mean? So that probably is yeah. why I missed that you hear one. Who's yeah. doing, do you hear who's doing the score for Mare's Story? No. Uh, Randy Newman. Oh, wow. I believe it's the first score he's going to do outside of a Pixar movie. Huh. Okay. I'm I am heavily excited. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. I mean the, I really yeah, liked uh, the last No Bombach film, uh Meyerowitz stories. Mm-hmm. That was his last one, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, be it's, good. It's, it's gonna be like a spiritual sequel to Squid and the Whale. So oh wow, yeah. Man, that's uh two thousand five, right? So fifteen years later or fourteen. Two thousand four, I believe. But yeah. Huh. Or no, maybe it is two thousand five, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, Anyway, that will do it for this week's episode of Cinema Hawks. We'll end on a Noah Bombach note. Um, thank you as always for listening, and especially if you made it this far. And uh, if you like us, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. We'll see you all next week to talk about It Chapter 2 and whatever else happens in pop culture. You never know. Uh, I'm going to be on vacation, so maybe I'll be able to catch something out in the uh, the middle part of the country is where I'll be. But uh, maybe you'll yeah. find Bernadette. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow Will or myself on Twitter or find us on Facebook and, and all of our Cinemaholic social media, that's all in the show notes and links to everything we talked about uh, in terms of uh, supporting the show and, and emailing us. It's all in the show notes as well. And that'll do it for us this week. From the Internet California, I am John Negroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Wash. See you next time. <laughs>